0: here mm-hmm.
1: PC users who can handle the truth. And now here's your host, Gene Steinberg. Good evening and welcome to the Tech Night Out Live. Today we're gonna talk to Daniel Aaron Dilger from Roughly Drafted Magazine with a bit of a reality check on what's going on with Apple and that mysterious tracking file on your iPhone. We'll also hear from Bob, Dr. Maclevitus. And to complete our Apple Incorporated emphasis this week, we'll hear from none other than Dan Morin, the news guy at Macworld Magazine. All this and more on the Tech Night Owl Live. Yeah! So Daniel Aaron Dilger of Roughly Drafted Magazine, this was a day when all this happened in which Both Apple and the President of the United States made headlines at the same time, almost. First, of course, comes the news from Obama that he released what is called the Long Form Birth Certificate. Which is the one that's kept on file by a Department of Health in a particular state. Now, the big controversy has been, of course, that his birth certificate is fake. He was really not born in America, but in Kenya. Now, I have to say this the original short form birth certificate released a couple of years back for President Obama is the same form that I have for my birth certificate. I was born in Brooklyn, New York, many thousands of years ago before there was a Brooklyn, New York. Now, in theory, then, if his birth certificate was a fake, how does that make my birth certificate? Do you have a birth certificate, Daniel?
0: Yeah, I don't know if it's the long form. I've, I've only seen, just like a, I remember getting my license with it a long time ago. It's just a, a short piece of paper.
1: Right. Well, there you go. But at the same time, there was another document that we were worried about, which is this database file that is stored on your iPhone that supposedly records your locations, kind of a tracking
0: file. What was that all about? How was it discovered? Well, it was originally discovered when Apple outlined how the location services work to its developers. This this wasn't a mystery, but I think it was last September. One of the first reports that I'd seen of it was people were looking at this database, and I think it was new since iOS 4, but it's a database that that the iPhone uses to... It's a cache of of all the recent cell towers and Wi-Fi stations and everything that it uses to figure out its location. Like a pure GPS unit takes kind of a long time to figure out your location because it's getting uh, signals from satellites that are (laughs) a long ways away. So it's like, for example, you have
1: satellite TV and you choose another channel. It takes several seconds for the information to get to that satellite and then get the signal back to you, that latency. So if you're using GPS,
0: communicating with satellites back and forth, it's going to take a while. Yeah, it's even more than that because GPS uses signals from three different satellites to figure out your location. And So, so therefore, yeah. you have to multiply everything by three and then <laughs> involve multiple communications.
1: It's very complicated. It's not like the movie Enemy of the State, that movie with Will Smith,
0: where they tracked him in two seconds. Yeah. So, GPS takes some time to figure out. And okay. with a cell phone, it also takes a lot of processing power. So if your phone was constantly using GPS satellites, it would not only take a long time to get a, a lock of where you're at, it would also not work indoors or in the basement or if, you have, you know, if you're somewhere where you can't see the sky well enough, you're, it's just not going to work. And so Apple, remember when they first came out with the iPhone, they were partnering with, I think it's Skynet? Is that Skyhook? No, Skyhook Wireless. Okay, Skynet, company, of course,
1: you know? is the company in the yeah. movie
0: Terminator. Oh, and now
1: everybody thinks, of course,
0: they will know where we are and they'll be oh. back it wasn't SkyNet, it was Skyhook. We you come up with this interesting product, finding a, a huge database of all the the wireless base stations all around the world and associating it with what their actual location is. So if you know your GPS location and you're you know really close to this base station, you don't even have to know the password of that base station or lock onto it. It's just a landmark. And so they built up this huge database and we're trying to figure out what to do with it. And that was one of the the first things. Apple was one of their first big customers, and and Steve Jobs was one of the things that he announced on stage was that they're working with Skyhook Wireless to provide location services even if you didn't have GPS. So, for example, the iPod Touch used that to to get a location. It wasn't quite as accurate as GPS, but it was very useful, and you know requires very little power. So the iPhone uses formerly used Skyhook stuff. It used cell tower reception and used GPS and. Generally, cell towers or cell phones use what they call assisted GPS, which means that the cell towers help it find its location before GPS can kick in. So you get like preliminary data and then it gets more accurate. So iOS has been using all this stuff. Well, Apple is realizing that they have millions of phones all over the world. Why are they paying somebody else for this data when they can calculate their own location database? And so part of what they've been doing is building up their own database so that they don't have to rely on third parties. And they've been, they stopped using Skyhook, I think, I think it's in the iOS 3 three era, you know, a couple years ago. So since iOS 4, there's been this new file that it's been keeping a, a cached record of these devices in your area that can tell you where you're at so that you can immediately find a location. So when you go into Google Maps and you say, where am I? It immediately finds where you're at. And researchers were talking about this earlier in kind of a, a limited circle related to forensics investigators so that you find a phone, you can look back to to this information that it has used in the past to get an idea of where that phone could have been in the past. And that's, I mean, that was, it was kind of a, a known secret for a while. That's how it worked. And just recently there was kind of a sensationalized story where where they discovered this and they presented it and I remember seeing the story and thinking, should we even cover this? I mean, it's not even news. And then all of a sudden it exploded and it was everywhere and it was on kind of, this kind of mainstream front page of newspapers and congressmen were asking what, what was going on. You know,
1: I want to mention something before we get into this in more detail. Don't you want someone to be able to find you if you have a problem, an emergency? You call 911. You're in an accident. I don't know where I am. I'm on the road. It's night. I can't figure where I am. I'm bleeding to death. Help me. You want the police to know where you are so they can help you, so
0: they can rescue you, so they can treat you. We want them to track you then. Well back when everybody had a landline phone they started installing this this information so that if you made a phone call I remember when I was a little kid I called 911 just uh, I don't know why I did but and I was scared to death because they called me back <laughs> <laughs> and, and that's that's kind of like important technology to be able to do if somebody calls and they're incapacitated or they're having a heart attack you want to be able to locate them because they're probably not going to be able to continue to provide you new information where they're at. So we already had this kind of information for 911 services, but when people started moving to mobile, they realized it's a different a different system and you can't lock onto it. Like the phone company knows where you're at because they have a wire running to your house. So with mobile systems, and starting in the late 90s, they started looking at how they could track using, it's called Enhanced 911, of how to find people who have made an emergency call that has been interrupted or, you know, they lost service or whatever. How, how do you find them? And it was actually mandated in around the the beginning of the the 2000s or 2001, and it became mandatory for all new cell phones in 2002 to include GPS services that can locate the caller and tell emergency services where the caller is when they're making the call. So now I should add before we continue process. there that
1: if you have one of these internet phone services like a Vonage or one of these other companies or a phone power, what they require you to do or ask you to do is list your address. So that way they know where you are because otherwise... Nobody can detect it. There's no way to figure out your location
0: with that kind of service otherwise. So, yeah. So some VoIP services have you self-reported. Other things like the 3G microcell, which is the, the Internet station. that you, It's like a little Internet router thing for your phone. You plug it in, and you make phone calls in your house, and they go through your Internet And if there's no wireless service around you. Those devices have a GPS unit in them. You have to put them in the window, and they only work when the thing is getting a reliable location of where it's at. Part of the reason for that is because of this this E nine eleven law that says if you if you are somehow connecting a phone call, you're also responsible for reporting where you're at. And there's some privacy people that are like, "Oh, this is a very Big Brother." Well, it's like, well, it's it's kind of like seatbelts. It's do you do you force something to happen because there's a lot of people who die in a fire because police can't find out where they're at because they've made half of a phone call. It becomes kind of a what is the what is the risk versus what is the reward of, of kind of mandating a technology like this? So I mean, cell phones already know where you're at. And just just to be able to use a phone, it has to know where it's at. And the fact that more sophisticated phones like the the new wave of smartphones kind of ushered in by the iPhone, they have things like Google Maps where you push a button and it tells you where you're at. Obviously... To be able to do that, Google has to know where you're at because they're serving you maps. So Google knows where you're at. Okay, we'll find out why
1: we know what we know, and we'll learn how Apple's dealing with the situation and the controversy coming up. Daniel Aaron Dilger of Roughly Drafted Magazine and AppleInsider.com joining us. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Owl Live.
2: it's what every American needs to know about central bank power, a gripping adventure into the secret world of international banking cartel. Hi, this is Ted Anderson. I will give a silver dollar from the early 1900s to anyone who purchases this book. Call 1-800-686-2237 and order a copy today. It's critical that the public be made aware of the system. Call and order your copy today at 1-800-686-2237. That's 1-800-686-2237.
3: Will I have garlic breath after I take Ali C.?
4: We get that question all the time about the world's best garlic extract, Ali-C. And the answer is, Ali-C contains stabilized allicin, nature's antimicrobial agent, and the active ingredient in crushed garlic, but will not give you garlic breath. Scientifically proven in double-blind studies, using low doses of allicin greatly reduces the number, severity, and duration of common colds. Our powerful Ali-C contains 300 milligrams of stabilized allicin. Just one tablet of Ali-C is equivalent to 40 garlic cloves. It's effective against as MRSA, bacterial, fungal, and viral infections, and helps lower high blood pressure and high cholesterol. Plus, it's a natural mosquito repellent. Boosts resistance to infection with nature's best garlic extract, Ali-C. For more information and to order Ali-C, call 877-888-7126 or go to GarlicHealthProducts.com. That's 877-888-7126 or GarlicHealthProducts.com. Fight back with AliC. c
5: our big story, food prices rise with gas prices. Economists expect food price hikes of 3 to 4% this year. From lettuce to tomatoes, virtually all fresh produce has doubled in price. In the past year, corn prices up 87%, soybeans up 41%, and wheat has climbed 54%. Demand for seed is extremely high. Stock up today while supplies last.
6: Yes, there is a threat of seed shortages due to climatic weather events. Be prepared. Save money. Eat healthy with SeedsNow.com. For a limited time, SeedsNow.com is offering a survival garden seed vault stocked with over 60,000 high-quality heirloom seeds, over 50 popular varieties. All SeedsNow.com seeds are grown in the USA. 100% heirloom, 100% non-hybrid, 100% non-GMO. Order now at SeedsNow.com or by phone at 818-584-1488. That's 818-584-1488. Remember, SeedsNow.com. Your number one online source for quality garden seeds.
7: Are you tired of searching for great talk radio? Something more important. Search no more. We are the GCN Radio Network. We want to hear from you.
8: If you have a comment or question about the Tech Night All Live, send it to news at technightowl.com. That's news at technightall.com. And don't don't forget, forget, you you can can visit visit the famous Tech Night Owl community forums at forum.techniteowl.com. Get in on all the action. That's forum.techniteowl.com.
1: We return with Daniel Aaron Dilger of Roughly Drafted Magazine and, of course, appleinsider.com. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Owl Live. And what we're going to explore right now is, again, the continuing controversy over what do they know, how do they know it. So, okay. Google is using this information for Google Maps. They have to know where you are because you need to try to locate yourself on a map or find how to go to someplace
0: else. Right, so there's a number of apps that you know, make some novel use of location services. And what Apple did is when they started rolling this stuff out, there are some laws that pertain to you can't do certain things with GPS data. So GPS devices were already covered by privacy laws that say you, know, you can't just like, record a bunch of stuff about people without them knowing what... What's going on? There was already kind of the foresight or realizing this, you know, potentially could be a bad thing. So when Apple started rolling out location services, one of the one of the kind of novel things that they did was say that if an application wants your location, even if it's kind of a a benign sort of request, it has to ask the system, and the system asks you for permission. So that's why you get this pop up that says this app would like to know your location. Or in the case of you go to a website, sometimes the website will ask where you're at, and the the browser will say. This website wants to know your location. Is that okay to give it to them? So you're in control of telling a third party whether they can access your your location. And so there's a, a number of different things, ranging from you know social network things like Looped or um, navigation apps, or even some apps that or advertisements that want to know your location to find the nearest store, for example. So Apple kind of put in this system barrier that said your your privacy information is important and we're going to only give it to people who you say can have it. Kind of similar to their stance in a lot of other areas, where, for example, the subscription, in-app subscriptions. You don't give your information to the publisher unless you say you want to. So that's a little bit different from other systems, which, like, for example, with Android, when you install an app, it says this app is going to ask for your location, it's going to access this information, it's going to access, and then you have to say yes for all of it to get it to install. So it's kind of a different take on how to do things. Um, But the end result, I mean, what Apple came out with with, was they were saying that, so this information isn't exactly like a a series of your previous locations. It's oversold in terms of what's actually being recorded. What's actually being recorded are landmarks in your area that have been in your area in the last however long of time. But primarily the location of cell towers. Right. Okay. So so cell towers and Wi Fi station, things like that. Okay, so any network access point. Yeah. Okay. And they also mentioned that, that it it was inadvertently recording more information than it needed to. And this isn't like a tally that's being sent to Apple. This is they said this is this information is, is you know, encrypted and, and put up in this kind of crowdsourced set of information so that the you're basically getting what Apple knows about the location in your area, so it's kind of Skyhook Wireless type data. Or what so is Apple then actually recording? It just looking at the location of networks or what? Well, for example, I have I have a couple base stations in my house, and in the Skyhook Wireless or in Apple's database, I think Google has their own system that's also independent. What they do is they connect my GPS with. The location of my base station and then they put that in a database so now anytime i walk past in the area of my base station if it knows that i'm 10 feet away and also knows what my gps is so it allows it to calculate it really quickly by saying oh yeah you're right you're at home because you're within a very short distance from this base station that means i know you're here now and the good things about street, this feature i think we should mention before we continue with the technicalities are good things say for
1: example you know i want a pizza tonight and I'm not home. I'm staying at a hotel in a strange city in a land far, far away. I want to know where there's a good pizza. What I do is I look for pizzas and I get this message. Do you want to allow the searching mechanism to know your location? Well, of course, because you want to find the pizza down the street that's good. You want to check the reviews. So there are times when you really
0: need this information for otherwise, how is it going to give it to you? Well, the other, the other side of that is that like I was saying with, with my own base station, if somebody else is walking down the street and they sense my base station, they don't have to connect to my wireless network. But if they get the same information that I've uploaded basically into their network, the, you know one of these location databases, then they can say, oh, I'm, I'm next to this database or I'm next to this Wi-Fi base station that I know nothing about, but I know its location. So that means I know my location. So it's kind of a crowdsourcing thing. It's kind of like... It's kind of like CDDB, you know, when when you remember the old days, you'd you'd rip a, DVD or a CD <laughs> back in the old days, and you put in the track information, and then you could upload it into this database, and then everybody else, when they ripped the same CD, would automatically get that same information. And you had a whole bunch of people putting this information in so that there's any mistakes that would get kind of like fixed. But it made this really handy system where you put in a, a CD that doesn't have any metadata on it, but it does have... A general tag of what that disc is, so you can go out and find just everyone else's idea of what's on that, and you get all this information populated for you. Complete a track list of that CD, right? So everyone is putting in this kind of location data about things that they've they've known. As like I've been around this base station, this base station, this space station, and this is where their locations are. And that information gets shared and mixed back and forth, so that, that this database is not actually a, a um a trail of your precise locations, it's a combination of information that has been in your area over the past however long. And what Apple said was, we did make a mistake in inadvertently not pruning this database as it should be. They say we don't think we need more data than a week of of previous information to have the the effect they want. Um, And they also said, made a couple comments about, for example, although you can encrypt it when you back it up, uh, it's not even really necessary to back up so in in a in an update we're not going to be backing it up to iTunes. cuz it's just it's just a you know database that doesn't need to be stored it can be downloaded fresh again um so there there's a couple things that they're doing to kind of address people's concerns the big issue though daniel was that it was recording information even when you said no yes so with location services, when you turn location services off, what most people think that that means is that you stop providing location services to apps that may want them. You can turn that off on an app level. You can say, I don't want to provide location data to this like news site or something. You can also opt out of location data in terms of using it for iAds or, or a specific ad network. And you can also turn it off system-wide, which means that it stops um, recording... Location system or location stuff in general. And what the New York Times found was that this database kept getting updated even though it wasn't, even though location services was off. And Apple's saying, hey, that's a bug because we shouldn't be recording this information even if we're not sharing it with apps. And at the same time, it's not necessarily getting just your information. It's also, if you think about it, it's kind of like looking at Google Maps. You know, when you walk around with Google Maps and you're kind of constantly loading in a new tile as you travel, it's kind of like that with this database is that you're constantly getting and sharing information about stuff in the area. So basically, if you're taking a drive from Arizona to
1: Nevada, it's recording that because perhaps you're using a navigation system to get Directions on how to do it. We have Daniel Aaron Dilger of Roughly Drafted Magazine and AppleInsider.com. We're looking at the brouhaha alleged over what Apple knows and what this tracking file was all about. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Out Live. Hey, neighbors, meetings are an essential part of any business. You know, making presentations to clients, collaborating with your colleagues. Well, make them as simple as possible to run and organize. Use GoToMeeting by Citrix, the easiest, most reliable online meeting service. With GoToMeeting, you can schedule an online meeting in seconds. Attendees can join with just a click from anywhere. Meeting materials are viewed on everyone's screen. Making collaboration seamless. GoToMeeting is so easy to use for you and everyone joining your meeting. Plus, with GoToMeeting, hold as many meetings as you can for one flat rate. You have phone conferencing and voice over IP are included. You know, my listeners can try GoToMeeting free for 30 days, a month of unlimited online meetings free. Visit GoToMeeting.com, click on the Try It Free button, and enter the promo code PODCAST. Let's go to meeting.com, promo code podcast.
9: Go solar for cheap. Want to use solar power but the price is too high? Now you can build your own solar panels for less than $200 at 123cheapsolar.com. Don't laugh. We've sold over 45,000 solar do-it-yourself kits. Watch the step-by-step videos that even non-handyman types can use. We offer a 60-day money-back guarantee. Go to 123cheapsolar.com or call 800-713-0486. 800-713-0486.
2: Reduce your foreign oil dependency when you go green with 123cheapsolar.com.
10: Love gardening, but don't love seeing your hard work destroyed by wildlife? Then use the number one most effective deer and rabbit repellent you can buy, Plantskid. Plantskid repellent protects gardens, trees, and landscaping by emitting an odor that browsing animals associate with predators. So animals avoid plants before they nibble, not after. Plantskid is made in the U.S. from non-toxic, 100% organic, environment, and pet-friendly ingredients. Other repellents wash off in the rain, not Plantskid. It's guaranteed to outlast all other repellents. PlantSkid was the first animal repellent to be OMRI-listed organic and now comes in liquid spray, powder concentrate, or easy-to-use granular. Just sprinkle around your garden. For proven protection from deer, rabbits, squirrels, and other small rodents, use PlantSkid, member-tested and recommended by the National Home Gardening Club. Find a dealer near you at PlantSkid.com. That's plant, D.com. Ask about our new vole repellent when you call 800-252-6051. That's 800-252-6051. PlantSkid. Proven plant protection. Guaranteed or your money back.
11: If you're concerned about radiation poisoning from Japan in the air, water, or food and can't find potassium iodide, go to RestoreYourHealthNow.com and choose Liquid Zeolite. Liquid Zeolite is hands down the best product to remove radiation from your body and safely removes toxins, heavy metals, boosts energy levels, and promotes a strong immune system. For fatigue, muscle weakness, headaches, memory loss, influenza, joint pain, or toxic radiation poisoning, use Liquid Zeolite from RestoreYourHealthNow.com. Liquid Zeolite is so powerful it was used to clean up contamination in Chernobyl, yet so gentle you won't even know you're taking it. Liquid Zeolite comes with a money-back guarantee but is only available at Restore Your Health RestoreYourHealthNow.com Learn how to get free bottles of liquid zeolite at RestoreYourHealthNow.com That's RestoreYourHealthNow.com or call 800-880-9976 Call 800-880-9976 today and learn how to get free bottles of liquid zeolite
7: The GCN Radio Network, providing the world with hard-hitting talk radio. GCN, great talk radio starts here. You're listening to the Tech Night Owl
12: live with Gene Steinberg. You never know what's going to happen next.
1: We continue with Daniel Aaron Dilger of Roughly Drafted Magazine and AppleInsider.com exploring Apple's tracking file in the iPhone. Now, fast question here. Assuming a third party gets a hold of your iPhone
0: and they check this file, what do they really know? What can they find out? Well, they can tell where your general vicinity has been. But even if you didn't have, even if you like, were able to smash the GPS chip, they could probably tell far more information about you from your pictures on the phone and your emails and all the other information that you have on the phone. So, I mean, yeah, the, I think the security implications of, of this location database are blown way out of proportion. Because, yeah, if somebody gets a hold of your phone, it's going to be embarrassing. And interestingly, I mean, Apple's Remote Destroy feature that uses location services and push notification to find out where your device is and to get rid of it, the information. So if you do lose your phone, if you have it set up in, in mobile Me as a remotely controllable system you can wipe it find my
1: iphone right okay so therefore that's a time when you need it to know where you are or where your phone is so this way you can protect yourself and obviously we go back to law enforcement authorities rescue workers people like
0: that who need to know where you are to save your life i kind of sound like i'm downplaying the importance of privacy and yeah there, there is I mean people should ask questions and people should you know hold Apple to what it's saying and and, and compare the facts and it's like for example th- there was an investigating reporting saying hey you know if I turn a location services off I wouldn't think it should continue to be reporting stuff and it appears to still be reporting what's going on Apple so that's all very valid things to do and at the same time I mean to me that what was what's annoying about this is that it, it's portrayed in such a um, just kind of an over-the-top way. It isn't, hey, if something's going on, what, what, what's happening here? It was portrayed as like, oh, Apple's spying on you and they're looking at your exact location and they're tracking 180 million people on Earth you know, to know their, their price-size location. And it's like, of course they're not. Apple doesn't have any business model in doing that. I mean, even Google doesn't have a business model in tracking the individual location of all its Android users. Well, they do um, want to track certain things to give you targeted ads. Yeah, so they do track you for ads. But you can opt out of that too yeah, but there's a big difference between reporting like your general demographic information and reporting you know some information that would help somebody get you so i think I think it's a little bit overblown but but you can kind of tell that apple is you know they're they're pretty forthright in in hitting all the answering all the the outstanding questions and they're blog question answer post they put up but they also re- launched two other announcements and it's, it always seems like Apple like holds back announcements to where once they say something they don't want to have to say or a competitor announces a product they can have something to announce and kind of overshadow <laughs> what's going on so they announced both that the iPad 2 was going on sale in I think another 12 countries and also that the white iPhone was going on sale tomorrow so it's kind of like Okay, here's the stuff on location services. And, like, oh, by the way, here's the iPhone update. So that was okay, interesting. Okay, so finally with the white iPhone. Now, we'll get to that in a moment.
1: But, okay, one of these controversies overblown, congressmen, state attorneys general, lawsuits. Now, what is someone suing for? If I go to court, go to federal court to sue Apple and maybe Google over whatever they're tracking or no. What am what I are hoping they to gain for?
0: They're suing for money. <laughs> <laughs> so, so the lawsuit, I, I haven't looked in really carefully, but the lawsuit I saw was just somebody read an article. Same thing when they had, when there was the bruhaha about, I can't even remember what it was now, it was something about apps and somebody was mad about something about something that was going on. So they basically carbon copied the, the scaremongering news story. And just rephrase it as a, a legal complaint, and that was their lawsuit. So that's kind of what they do. Anytime they see something, it's just pulled directly from the the news story. So that's why I, I get kind of irritated when I see something that's just written in kind of a historical tone. Because the people that are asking questions in Congress are asking questions directly from the newspaper. Because that's where they get their information. So I, think, I just think we need a little bit more, I don't know, better reporting. Well, the
1: problem also is that we don't have enough material. You have 24-7 cable news networks, and we can talk about Fox News, MSNBC, CNN. Forget about the political leanings or lack thereof. They've got to fill 24 hours a day, seven days a week with material. And if nothing is going on, they can't just say nothing is going on.
0: Well, you know, that's true, but it's kind of like the radio. You can say these radio stations have... 24 hours a day to fill time. They play the same five songs over and over again. Well, it's actually like 22 or
1: something, but I get the point. It seems like five. But what's even worse, but I was there, you understand. I
11: worked at some of these stations.
1: (laughs) What is even worse is it's not some local guy saying, gee, let's play these hits. It's some agency in another state that says your station, your city, regardless of the local demographics, should play these 22 or five songs over right. and over again until you go sick. At least with talk stations, you have different shows. So you can get different points of view, hopefully.
0: Yeah, a lot of news broadcasts seems like um, they have like the two or three headlines that are ju- they're not even news. And there's really important things that are happening in the world. I mean, you know, there's stuff going on in Libya and uh, all across well, across the world, there's all this important stuff going on that people need to know about. And instead but Lindsay being Lohan about isn't Justin news. Hair, what about Charlie yeah. Sheen? Exactly. For heaven's
1: sake, the entire planet is going to be upturned if we don't
0: figure out what's wrong with Charlie Sheen. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's mainly a distraction. It's just so, so yeah, they have time to fill, but they have so much better things to work on than. But I mean, this, this was kind of a good story. People need to be aware of what's going on and how things work occasionally it's just the way it was presented was a little dramatic a little overdone but it's good that apple addressed it and it's kind of it's i don't know i don't i don't think there's much you can say about it anymore too hysterical i think we should keep watching things i mean location services i don't i don't want my location to be portrayed around i want to feel like i have it under control i don't want it i don't want to get the feeling that i could turn it off and it has no effect So, I mean, I think Apple responded to that pretty well, so they need to stay on that. and and There's going to be other circumstances where Apple's called the task for things. It is interesting, though, in this whole situation, this is something that affects every phone. I mean, Apple's had some particular things with its database of why it was recording since the beginning of iOS 4. Um, If you look at Android, it it appears to to save less data in its database, but at the same time, it reports more to Google. So it's kind of a draw as far as what was happening. But this is, this is something that could potentially affect every mobile network. But it was all about Apple in the headlines. And the reason is because Apple's the platform that matters. People talk about how Google is, there's a, a new headline every week talking about how Google has surpassed the iPhone. It's like, why is this still news? But at the same time, it's still news because it hasn't. <laughs> they're looking for information about why it has. And you know, they keep trying to say that, oh no, everything is everything has changed now that Android is ahead. But it, it isn't, because if Android was ahead, then we would be criticizing Android. We're not criticizing Android. We're doing Kid Glove saying, you know, Android is doing really good, Android's doing really we any kind of serious criticism of Android is played down and, and it's just insulated with layers of of we hope everything's working out okay.
1: Because well, that's a not, good point to bring money. up.
0: Why is it because
1: Apple is a sexy platform? Why not bring up revelations about Google? I thought Google was the dark people right now. You know, They send the vans out to different countries, and they are checking Google Map data. Oh, by the way, they're sniffing your Wi-Fi
0: network. That's big news, isn't it? They were doing that. Yeah, well, that's Google. It's not necessarily, it doesn't really have anything to do with Android. So basically, the sense is, though, that Android, is not Android seems to get a pass, but Apple doesn't. Yeah, and the reason why is because Android is handled like this, this um, coddled platform because it's, it's forever trying to get established, even though it's supposedly bigger. And, well, you know, I keep saying this. The interesting thing about Android is that Android isn't new. It's not, they, the iPhone OS came out, and it was new. And in the last, I mean, it's only been, what, four years now that Apple had even had a, a, an iPhone business. And now their iPhone business is bigger than Google's everything. So that's something to think about. And we'll go into time- that in the history
1: in a moment. Daniel Aaron Dilger joining us. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Owl Live. <laughs> ever been to a concert and wish your friends could experience the atmosphere with you? Ever been on a mountaintop and wish you could share the beautiful view with your family? Ever thought, they've got to see this? Share those amazing experiences with the unique photo collages of the iPhone app You Gotta See This by Boink Software. Now available for the iPhone 4, iPod Touch, and the brand new iPad 2 for just $1.99. See great examples at boinks.com slash seethis. In this connected world, your Mac needs to be protected from the many threats that come over the Internet. But how can you stay up to date with the security issues that now affect Macs? The Mac Security Blog covers all the security threats to Macs, keeps you informed about essential updates to your software, and alerts you when new threats or malware are discovered. Keep your Mac safe. Visit the Mac Security Blog at blog.intego.com. That's blog.intego.com, blog.intego.com.
13: Never buy home canning jar lids again. No kidding. When you buy Tadler Reusable Canning Lids once, you'll never buy canning lids ever again. Safely store emergency preparedness foods for years. Traditional metal lids are single-use throwaways containing BPA. But Tadler Reusable Canning Lids are guaranteed to last a lifetime when used as designed for home canning. Tadler Lids are made with a USDA and FDA-approved food-grade plastic, safe for direct food contact, and contain no BPA. Tadler Lids are dishwasher-safe, usable with standard pressure or water bath canning. Eliminate food spoilage from acid corrosion. Fit standard Mason jars are indefinitely reusable and are proudly made in the USA. Place orders at reusablecanninglids.com or call 1 877 747 2793. 877 747 2793. Call 877 747 2793. Or go to reusablecanninglids.com. That's reusablecanninglids.com for Tadler Reusable Canning Lids, the original since 1976.
14: Fear of falling is the number one reason seniors leave the home they love. And millions of aging Americans can no longer enjoy the pleasure of a simple bath from fear of falling. Don't leave your home. There is a solution. The revolutionary designed for seniors walk-in tub. Rediscover the soothing, luxurious pleasure of a comfortable and therapeutic bath by calling 877-513-3797. The Designed for Seniors walk-in tub has everything. A low-step and walk-in door for easy access, built-in heating, easy-to-reach controls with both water and air jet therapy to soothe away aches and pains. All tubs are proudly made in the USA and come with a limited lifetime warranty. Enjoy a relaxing, safe, and comfortable bath again. Call 877-513-3797 and ask for the Designed for Seniors walk-in tub. That's 877-513-3797. The Design for Seniors walk-in tub for boomers and beyond.
15: Spring and a new growing season are here. Plan a healthy garden easy and fast with OrganicaSeed.com. Easy because OrganicaSeed.com offers one of the largest online selections of organic, heirloom, non-hybrid, and untreated seeds, as well as tobacco and cotton seeds at low prices. Go to OrganicaSeed.com, spelled O-R-G-A-N-I-C-A, seed.com. OrganicaSeed.com. Remember, OrganicaSeed is healthy seed.
7: America's number one source for independent talk radio for over a decade. We are the GCN Radio Network. You're listening to the
12: Tech Night Owl Live with Gene Steinberg. You never know what's going to happen next.
1: We have Daniel Aaron Dilger of Roughly Drafted Magazine and AppleInsider.com, and he was bringing up just before on the Tech Night Out Live with Gene Steinberg the fact that the iOS is a pretty new platform starting in 2007, but Android was already there, was already under development. Google bought
0: them, what, a couple, of three years earlier? Well, Android was there as a development. It was in development. But what Android is is a generic kernel, Linux, with an java-like application layer on top of it so android apps are really like a a java app i mean it's they've changed Java to the point where they didn't want to license it from sun or oracle but it's basically the same environment so that's not really new that's always existed and the the people who license android uh htc and motorola and samsung and lg all these companies sony ericsson they didn't just start making phones Apple just started making phones. Apple had not made a phone before the iPhone. And in in 4 years is now the most valuable phone maker in the world. It makes more revenue than Nokia. It was doing it was making more revenue than the Nokia in terms of mobile devices a year ago. And so that's dramatic. That's entering a market that's doing something new. Android is the same stuff in a little bit cheaper form because it's not being sold by anybody. And it's developed centrally. So instead of Sony Ericsson making their own Java platform running on top of a Linux kernel or a, you know some other real-time kernel of their own design, it's everyone's using the same software platform. But it's not new. There's nothing new about the technology. It's still the Linux Java Flash platform, which existed before the iPhone for years, long before... Google was involved in it. So Google's kind of brand-named it. But people keep talking about how Android is, is, you know, expanding above the iPhone. No, it's not. That stuff has always been there. It's what LG and Sony Ericsson and Motorola have always been selling for years before the iPhone came out. The iPhone came out and shut everybody else down. And now they're trying to, like, create this fiction story about how Android is this underdog that's coming up over... No, it's not. It is the old status quo with a new brand name on it. And it is not doing anything above the iPhone. It is the fact that it is not immediately you know, sequestering the iPhone into this 2% growth that Windows had with against the Mac for you know, the last decade in the, in the late 90s. The fact that Android isn't 98% of everything on the planet is an indication of failure because it used to be. If you look at Symbian and, and all the other Java-based phone platforms, these broadly licensed platforms, they failed. And Android is just a new brand name on top of the same type of thing. And it is not. If Android were, it, it's selling in, in quantity because it's it's this free label that's put on top of the devices that have always been there. But the whole point of having a wide um, installed base is that you can sell software, but Android is not selling software Google doesn 't even have an interest in selling software. Google wants to sell ad supported app apps Well, they do have a market though a market for what um, They do have an app market more or less. There is a Google market where you can buy apps or download they call it free the google market They call it the Android marketplace, but there 's not that many apps for sale and they 're not selling that many. Most of the apps, I mean, you look at, oh, there's this impressive 100,000 number of apps or whatever. Most of the apps on Android are garbage. And if you look at it, if you talk to Android people, they are really garbage. And, you know, they used to say that about the iPhone. It's like, oh, you know, jokes about how there's so many, like, toilet apps and farting apps and whatever else. Yeah, there's going to be some number of junk apps in every platform. But Android apps, the majority, you start looking for things. Do a search for an app, and what you'll find is scores and scores and scores of fake junk pretending to be that app. So you look for something like you know Angry Birds. And there's pages and pages and pages of wallpapers and ringtones and you know cheat books and whatever that are kind of trying to write on the coattails of something with some brand recognition to sell for 99 cents whatever. But they're not apps. They're, they're garbage. They're not something that you'd want. If you really distill what, what's out there on the Android platform, what's useful, it's really small. And if you look at I mean, for any platform, there's going to be a finite number of apps you're going to want to install. I mean, people don't have millions of apps on their phone. But if you look at the number of apps that people use, you know, things like Facebook and Twitter and, you know, top games and things like that. if We start comparing the iPhone versions with the Android versions. The Android versions look like junk. They're not kept up as well. And they don't have the same kind of features. And the reason why is because there's no business model for Android. Nobody in Android buys anything. Android is the platform for people who don't want to pay for anything, and I wrote this article and I, you know, I compared it in Android to communism, <laughs> because what it's really about is doing things on the cheap and saying we're not going to pay for anything. Everything's equal, everything's free. We're just going to have this kind of communist paradise where everything doesn't cost anything, and you, you know, you put a little work in and you share it, and it's a good idea. But on a on a real scale, it doesn't result in progress. If you compare, you know, the Eastern bloc with the West, the West did a lot of really incredible things that the West the Eastern didn't couldn't get to because they were so busy trying to deliver everything really cheap for everybody and it's just a model that doesn't work very well on a large scale. And it's not working for Android. You do not have good apps on Android. Now, what is this about the fact that Andy
1: Rubin, by the way, he got to start over at Apple like 20, 30 years ago. He's the VP at Google who handles Android. And he and his crew are supposedly trying to tighten the standards for Android OS licensees. What's that about?
0: Well, when they came up with Android 3.0 that was directed at tablets, they released it. They they were really scrambling to get it to market because the iPad had already been out for a year. And so they're really working on making, you know, 2011 the year of Android 3.0. It's called called Honeycomb tablets. And so they really... try to get it to market really quickly. And if you look at the Motorola Zoom, a number of the problems, there there was a lot of hardware problems too, but a lot of the issues with it were the software just isn't done. And this is a fantastic amount of work. So they're really just gunning this to get it to the market. And Android 3.0 just isn't ready. Android as an operating system in general is kind of not quite there. But Android 3.0 was really trying to be something significant for tablets and it, it just isn't finished. And they kind of realize this, and they're realizing that if we just keep going and, and keep letting it slip out and keep having products like the Galaxy Tab and the, the Zoom and other things that just keep coming out and failing on the market because they're, they're just half-baked, that's going to make us look really bad. So what we have to do is kind of retrench and have a product that's really good and then put it out so that the iPad is being compared against a finished product instead of a bunch of half-baked stuff that dies on the vine before it even gets picked.
1: Okay, half-baked stuff. What is there about Google 3.0 Honeycomb, the version of the Android OS that's being used on the Motorola Zoom that's unfinished?
0: I uh, I don't know the exhaustive list, but if you, yeah, it's for fully public information. It, everything from the SD card to the um just general operation of the system doesn't work. I mean, it's just very beta. It's like any software, you can't just like rush out something 1.0 and expect it to work really well. I mean, people say that about Apple stuff. You know, oh, this is the 1.0 of this. I don't want to buy it. I want to wait till it gets refined a little bit. Well, Google is, doesn't have a a perfect Android system yet. In the fact that they're coming out with this entirely new thing for tablets that that isn't an extension of the existing system. It's quite new. There's all this stuff that's that's totally new. And of course, it doesn't work. I mean, there were rough edges when the iPod, you know, the iPad first came out. And you know, Apple incrementally made changes over the course of the year to tighten everything up but it wasn't just dysfunctional and a lot of it it comes to the fact that when apple comes out with a product it intentionally reduces what it can do so that you know the top 10 features of the thing are pretty solid or google tries to keep everything open and just have everything work and do everything and address everyone's needs and you know not really address anyone's needs because everything It's a matter of big.
1: taking 10 features that are complete And the other 30 might not be, but you keep them in
0: there anyway because you have bragging rights. Right. So, I mean, that's kind of a difference between very proprietary development like Apple and very open development where everything's just kind of an open source project. And that's useful if you have some specific need that a company like Apple is not going to target. But at the same time, if you have a general need as a consumer for a tablet, you want it to work to do certain things really well and Honeycomb tablets are not going to do that, certainly not when, from the launch. But what you're saying about Andy Rubin is they basically took 3.0 down as an open source project because they didn't want people putting 3.0 software on their phones, cracking their phones and installing the 3.0 software and having like all these other problems and you know, trying to squeeze this tablet sy- system that they d- developed into a smartphone screen. And so what it really revealed is that you can't, Compete with a, you know, top tier company like Apple that has everything dialed in, with kind of an open source project where everyone's contributing. I'll tell you what we'll get into open source versus closed
1: proprietary and lots more next. Daniel Aaron Dilger of Roughly Drafted Magazine joins us. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Owl live. <laughs>
8: Welcome back to the Tech Night Owl Live, where you never know what's going to happen next. And now, here's Gene Steinberg.
1: We're back in the second hour of the Tech Night Owl Live. We have Daniel Arendilger of Roughly Drafted Magazine and AppleInsider.com joining us. And we're talking about the age-old argument, open source versus proprietary. And the problem has always been with open source is that how do you keep control over everything if anybody... Can participate and contribute code. How do you vet all this? How do you keep it under control? How do you provide a unified product? This is one reason why open source operating systems haven't gained much ascendancy on traditional consumer or small business desktop computers. They can't.
0: Well, I want to make a, a couple of clarifications. One is that the world is not, it's not like a binary world where everything is either proprietary and closed or open and happy, there's a number of cases where open source is critically important to making things more secure, more understandable, more accessible for third parties when you have a, you have to have a, even if you're running proprietary software, you have to have an open third party API to get anyone else to connect to it. So there's really kind of a a deep gradient between something that's closed and something that's open in terms of what works best. There's a lot of reasons why closed software is bad. Over the last decade, Microsoft has has historically, they've become more open, but they historically had this situation that they wanted to control everything and keep everything closed. Whereas Apple increasingly went from kind of a past of, ha- of having the same mentality of every, having everything super closed in the 80s and 90s to increasingly open thing, opening things up. And if you look at the infusion of Next, starting in, in 96 when they brought Steve Jobs back, they started using a lot of technologies that, For example, macOS 10 is based upon this BSD subsystem, which BSD was open before Linux was. And everything built on top of that, they were opening a lot of things. So they opened up the whole core OS underneath. They opened up a number of um, things, including, for example, when they came out with the Safari web browser, they based a lot of it upon KHTML, the web core rendering system and they built a browser around it that became WebKit and that's what everybody else used because they opened up the whole thing there's this idea that Apple just took somebody else's software and kind of rebranded it well they took khtml and then they added their own entire browser around it and then they open sourced the entire thing and that enabled Nokia for example to start using Safari as a mobile browser before anyone knew of the iPhone and contributed stuff back that I mean likely was of use to Apple Google took WebKit and turned it into its own browser, and added some other stuff that is now being rebuilt by Apple's WebKit too. So there's a lot of things about open source that are very attractive in terms of building things that are that don't would necessarily have a lot of value in themselves. Apple would be would have been hard pressed to buy and develop its own browser from scratch, and in doing so, they would be kind of segregated from the rest of the world, it was already had browsers that worked. You had the Mozilla browser, you had Internet Explorer, you had know, things like Opera. Why, why would the world need another browser from Apple? But by making it open, they were able to rapidly push web standards. So the fact that almost every mobile browser now uses WebKit means that browsing on mobile devices is actually better than browsing from a PC because of better standards and it also influenced the PC so now Microsoft is suddenly turning around and saying oh well I guess we can't push this whole Silverlight flash kind of thing we're going to have to go back to web standards so Internet Explorer is now pushing this idea that they're really big on web standards and both Safari and um, Google Chrome are, are, are both pushing the same thing on the desktop so Apple has done a lot of really powerful things with open source software and leveraging the the community. For for example, the entire printing system of Mac OS X is CUPS, which is the printing system of Linux and most other Unix operating systems. Apple bought it and continues to maintain it with a lot of it. I mean, I think something like two-thirds of, of the work going into CUPS is the open-source community. It's not necessarily Apple doing the work, but Apple's maintaining it, making sure that everything keeps going along a plan. And that's good for Apple because... You know, developing a printing system isn't sexy. It isn't something that causes a lot of people to buy Mac OS X. But the fact that it's reliable and works is. So there's a lot of things that open source does really well. However, in terms of developing products that people want to use, open source in general has not been a magic bean to create great products. Because creating a great consumer product really has a lot to do with creating a real focus. If you think about cars, every car from like a, a great car maker has a very clear focus and vision about what they want it to be, whether they want it to be a, a sporty racing car, whether they want it to be, you know, an economical car or a green car or whatever. There's some strong design focus behind making it great at whatever it is. If you have a car that everyone has an opinion on, that designed it, you know, communally, it would be a very... Awful car, it would probably look a lot like the communist cars, <laughs> you know <laughs> the dullest cars on the planet, yeah, I mean, a lot of good ideas that are kind of harmed by everyone else 's ideas putting into it, so you get too many cooks spoiling the soup that 's when you have a problem like Android, where of well, course you have that problem with general
1: motors let 's point out that General Motors had problems because they made their cars so homogenized with different committee points of view back and forth, that the cars had few distinctive aspects to them. You'd have three or four cars with different names that were basically the same car with a slight difference in terms of the brand naming and a few freshening aspects to be specific for a Pontiac
0: or a Buick or a Chevrolet. Yeah, and that's exactly the kind of same thing you see with Android, where you have this kind of generalized operating system, that nobody really has an incentive I mean, Motorola for example doesn't have an incentive to make really to add really strong features to it because if they add those to Android everyone else will copy them so they have their own layer well at that point you know if you have Moto Blur on the Motorola stuff and you have um whatever Samsung's is called I can't even think what it is. But everybody has like their own layer on top of Android. Well, then that kind of erases the whole idea that Android is this common platform because now it's not anymore. Every phone looks different. Every phone works a little bit different. And software designed for the common denominator of Android is not going to look the same or work the same on all these different devices. And so the more homogeny you have, the less reason you have for any specific licensee to generate sales. They can't really put in their own DNA, their own design, their own focus on the device. The well, of course, th- so a
1: situation like Windows Phone 7, whatever brand name you buy with Windows
0: Phone 7, it is Windows Phone 7. Right. And that's kind of the same thing that Microsoft did with the desktop. You buy a Windows PC and it's, a, it's an environment designed by Microsoft. It, basically, the simple. branding
1: is Microsoft and right. the company who builds the product, they're secondary. They're just an assembler.
0: Yeah, and so everyone compares Android to to Windows because it's the same kind of like broadly licensed thing, but it's not the same at all because Google does not exercise that kind of draconian control over the the, op- the operating environment. So it's nothing like Windows. Not that Windows was great. I mean, Microsoft did a, a, a good job of selling it, but the reason why they were, went through this whole lawsuit of Monopoly wasn't because it was so popular, it's because they did a lot of illegal things in terms of forcing other people out of the market and forcing developers or forcing hardware makers to only make their stuff. Well, Google isn't doing any of those things. So, you know, the kind of things that Microsoft did to make Windows the standard are just not there for Android. So this conclusion that Android is going to do the same thing Windows did is completely off-base because it's not designed to do the same thing, it's not doing the same things, it's not It doesn't have the same motive. There's no similarity with Windows apart from it being broadly licensed. And you know what else is broadly licensed? Symbian, You know, Java VM was broadly licensed. Those things didn't create a Windows-like platform in in mobile phones. So drawing parallels between Windows and Android is completely meritless. Well,
1: we're going to have to see how all this turns out, but it's good to know that for the time being, the controversy over what Apple knew about you and your iPhone at its location is settling down. We'll look forward to the software update where the files will be deleted after seven days. They'll be encrypted. You know, things will change and Apple will try to do it better next time. Daniel, Aaron Dilger, tell us where we can find more of the things that you write about.
0: I write for roughlydrafted.com and appleinsider.com. As simple as that. Are you going to be doing a Lion Server book or what? I didn't. I'm I out of time. So there's somebody that's going to be updating my book. And there's a lot to update in in Lion Server. We'll have to look at Lion more as we get towards the release date and see
1: what's going on. Daniel Aaron Dilger, thanks for joining us on the Tech Night Out Live. Thanks for having me, Gene. Hey neighbors, Nuance offers Dragon speech recognition for a variety of platforms. Dragon Dictate for Mac, Dragon Naturally Speaking 11 for Windows, and Dragon Mobile Apps for Blackberry, iPhone, and iPad. No matter how you compute, Dragon instantly converts what you say into text, helping you be more productive just by talking. Find out more at GetDragon.com. That's GetDragon.com. GetDragon.com
3: Will I have garlic breath after I take Ali C.?
4: We get that question all the time about the world's best garlic extract, Ali c And the answer is, Ali c contains stabilized allicin, nature's antimicrobial agent, and the active ingredient in crushed garlic, but will not give you garlic breath. Scientifically proven in double-blind studies, using low doses of allicin greatly reduces the number, severity, and duration of common colds. Our powerful Ali c contains 300 milligrams of stabilized allicin. Just one tablet of Alley-C is equivalent to 40 garlic cloves. It's effective against asthma. MRSA, bacterial, fungal, and viral infections, and helps lower high blood pressure and high cholesterol. Plus, it's a natural mosquito repellent. Boosts resistance to infection with nature's best garlic extract, Ali-C. For more information and to order Ali-C, call 877-888-7126 or go to GarlicHealthProducts.com. That's 877-888-7126 or GarlicHealthProducts.com. Fight back with Ali-C.
5: Our big story, food prices rise with gas prices. Economists expect food price hikes of 3 to 4% this year. From lettuce to tomatoes, virtually all fresh produce has doubled in price. In the past year, corn prices up 87%, soybeans up 41%, and wheat has climbed 54%. Demand for seed is extremely high. Stock up today while supplies last.
6: Yes, there is a threat of seed shortages due to climatic weather events. Be prepared. Save money. Eat healthy with SeedsNow.com. For a limited time, SeedsNow.com is offering a survival garden seed vault stocked with over 60,000 high-quality heirloom seeds, over 50 popular varieties. All SeedsNow.com seeds are grown in the USA. 100% heirloom, 100% non-hybrid, 100% non-GMO. Order now at SeedsNow.com or by phone at 818-584-1488. That's 818-584-1488. Remember, SeedsNow.com. Your number one online source for quality garden seeds.
7: Are you tired of searching for great talk radio? Something more important. Search no more. We are the GCN Radio Network. What are you listening to? The Tech Night Isle Live
12: with Gene Steinberg. What's going to happen next? You never know.
1: Bob, Dr. McLevitis, the one, the only, returns to the Tech Night Out Live, and you've been a busy bee. Every time I contact you, you're in the midst of writing another book here, as here, I, and everywhere.
8: As I am right now, which is why I can only stay for a little while.
1: So can you tell us what you're writing about, or will you violate your Apple NDA? And we don't want that to happen because you're a good boy. Did I say Apple? I don't know. You're always writing about something Apple, aren't you?
8: Well, that's true. No, I could tell you what I'm writing about. I might have to kill you after, but I'll tell
1: you. Yeah, but you've got a few hundred thousand listeners out there. You'd have to kill them, too. It'd get to be kind of bloody.
8: All right, well, here's the deal. Don't tell anyone, but I'm working Shh. on my next book, which will be called Mac OS X, Lion for Dummies. And I ain't lying,
1: either. Ew. Ba-bum. Okay, so let's look at the public information that apple has presented about mac os 10 lion so we don't get you caught with the nda and the things you can't tell us about let's look at the stuff that's published at apple's website there's quite a bit of information there one thing being very ios inspired how's that grab you
8: It, it seems to me they're doing it the right way which is to to kind of make it available for those who who prefer to work in that manner but I, I don't see it as interfering with using my Mac the way I use my Mac. I mean, I, I see it as something else, another tool, another another uh, arrow in the quiver, another thing in the arsenal, you know?
1: Basically, any features that appear to be inspired by the iOS are things you can use optionally. I'm thinking in terms of, like, Launchpad, which gets you kind of a display on a window of the icons for your various applications, and I'm thinking that can get a bit much if you have 400 applications lying around.
8: Yeah, it could. It could. Um, I think probably most users don't. You know, I think we're a special case. You and me and Chris Breen and Andy and, you know, I mean, people like us. I've got a thousand apps, but it's not because I use a thousand apps, it's because I've looked at all this stuff for a review or for a story. Um, And and never got rid of it. I'd say 90% of the stuff in there hasn't been opened in a year
1: or years. So what you need is the utility which says, you haven't opened that app in a year. You really need it? Yeah. Is there an app for that? There's an app for that. Okay. I know there are apps that check preference files, but of course you could use an app for years, and the preference file kind of stays the same. Sometimes they're always updating, but if you don't change a setting, it just sits there. Yes. Okay. But, all right, so we have Launchpad. We have the ability to auto-save your documents. Now, that's one thing I had to ask about. These new features like auto-resume, where you restart your Mac and your whole desktop with all your applications and documents recreates itself, does that require apps that are coded for Lion, or does it work with everything? Or do you know?
8: If I knew, I probably couldn't talk about it, but I don't. I'm not sure. This is all stuff that... uh you know, at this point, I have to say a lot of what I'm writing is um, not sure about this. Check it again later. You know, a lot of the stuff I'm I'm not um, I'm not delving too deeply into this week because the software is still kind of young, and I, I really, if history is any if history is any um, indication. What, I, what I've seen so far and um, some of the things that I've, I've seen in, in the versions I've worked with probably won't be like that by the time you see them in the wild.
1: Okay, so, now we know we're going to have the WWDC in early June. Right, No doubt Apple will probably demonstrate a near or final or near final version of Lion, give a final release date, that sort of thing. So you kind of think by the time it's actually just about release is when you can really look over the entire book and fix things up. Otherwise, you get stuck in this stage where you write everything and then you have to rewrite it two or three times.
8: Well, that's I've learned my lesson about these books is, is uh, you know, I go through now and this is more of a going through the book, looking for where the new pieces fit and cleaning up some of the old stuff. But... I'm, I'm trying not to write too much about new features yet because I'm, I'm still not sure that what, I've, what I'm seeing is going to be what's in the, the releases. So I'm kind of hesitant to talk about anything about it because who knows? I, I could, you know, if you look at what Apple has on their website, all of those things look like that. And, you know, I, I, I imagine work exactly as described. I haven't really read their website.
1: <laughs> Let me ask you a specific question about You think past. I should? You know, yeah, it I might should. help give you some guidance, but then you don't want to accidentally plagiarize what Apple says. because I it would just... never. Let me ask you a fast question, though, to the past. Yes, sir. And you've been writing Mac OS for dummies books for many years, probably longer than some of our listeners have been alive. Okay. System 7? System 7. Were there times where you got burned by Apple? You had the book pretty much ready to go. You wait for the final release, and suddenly, my God, they changed everything. The screenshots are different, everything. Have they pulled that on you?
8: I do remember, and I can't remember which version of the book it was, but I, I remember um, having a lot of screenshots shot with the default desktop, whatever it was that year, and they did change it in the release. And so any screenshot that had any piece of desktop in it had to be redone. Um, and, and that's the kind of stuff you have to look for after it ships. Is, you know, mm. is everything exactly the same as portrayed, and does it work the same as you described it?
1: Now, you're is going pretty- to basically use the default desktop. You're not going to use what you like. You use the one that the person making a clean installation, getting a new Mac from scratch, they see that desktop.
8: No, you'll like this. In about the third chapter, I show them how you change the desktop picture. And from then on, I use a plain white desktop because it's easier to see things on it. So after I've explained how to change your desktop, I don't use the default desktop. That way, if they change anything, I don't have to change every picture. Plus, it really looks busy, you know? This book is going to be in full color. and, And yeah, it would add a lot of color to the pages, but it also makes everything around it harder to discern i think putting things against a white background for example icons on the desktop much easier to you know tell what's going on with them when they're not competing with a picture well i so think the white screen the the pristine white screen
1: a pristine white screen with apple's artwork hopefully they won't change that and we have to see how that works no, no artwork at all. It's, just it's the point screenshots, point. of course. It is artwork, I guess, in a sense. Yeah, they're, they're, yeah, okay. I mean, if you look at screenshots, the things you make, there's actually tons of illustrations as part of Mac OS X that contain all this artwork you see.
8: Well, and there's lots of details, like all the icons in the menu bar and items on menus and sh- keyboard shortcuts for things. And, you know, you've got to keep checking all of that because you don't know what's going to change. But if I don't check it, they'll change something, and I'll get it wrong. And
1: I I hate getting stuff wrong. So basically, you have to go through every single screenshot.
8: Well, we have to pretty much go through every single page, yeah.
1: Yeah, and check the screenshots, check the details, retest everything. So basically, as far as writing this book is concerned, if you start too far in advance, you get burned. We have Bob Dr. Maclevitis.com. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Owl Live.
9: Going solar for cheap is as easy as one, two, three. If you want to go solar but thought the setup costs were too high, now you can build your own solar panels for less than two hundred dollars. Don't laugh. We've sold over forty five thousand solar do it yourself kits. Watch our introduction video at one, two, three, cheap solar video The video is free, but it won't last long. Save money on electric bills and get off the grid. Go to one, two, three, cheap solar video right now. Our website again
2: is one, two, three,
9: cheap solar video dot
10: Love gardening, but don't love seeing your hard work destroyed by wildlife? Then use the number one most effective deer and rabbit repellent you can buy Plantskid. Plantskid repellent protects gardens, trees, and landscaping by emitting an odor that browsing animals associate with predators. So animals avoid plants before they nibble, not after. Plantskid is made in the U.S. from non toxic, 100% organic, environment, and pet friendly ingredients. Other repellents wash off in the rain. Not Plantskid, it's guaranteed to outlast all other repellents. PlantSkid was the first animal repellent to be OMRI-listed organic and now comes in liquid spray, powder concentrate, or easy-to-use granular. Just sprinkle around your garden. For proven protection from deer, rabbits, squirrels, and other small rodents, use PlantSkid, member-tested and recommended by the National Home Gardening Club. Find a dealer near you at PlantSkid.com. That's PlantSkid.com. Ask about our new vole repellent when you call 800-252-6051. That's 800-252-6051. PlantSkid. Proven plant protection. Guaranteed or your money back.
11: If you're concerned about radiation poisoning from Japan in the air, water, or food and can't find potassium iodide, go to RestoreYourHealthNow.com and choose Liquid Zeolite. Liquid Zeolite is hands down the best product to remove radiation from your body and safely removes toxins, heavy metals, boosts energy levels, and promotes a strong immune system. For fatigue, muscle weakness, headaches, memory loss, influenza, joint pain, or toxic radiation poisoning, use Liquid Zeolite from RestoreYourHealthNow.com. Liquid Zeolite is so powerful it was used to clean up contamination in Chernobyl, yet so gentle you won't even know you're taking it. Liquid Zeolite comes with a money-back guarantee but is only available at Restore Your Health Learn how to get free bottles of Liquid Zeolite at RestoreYourHealthNow.com. That's RestoreYourHealthNow.com or call 800-880-9976. Call 800-880-9976 today and learn how to get free bottles of Liquid Zeolite.
7: The GCN Radio Network, providing the world with hard-hitting talk radio. GCN great talk radio starts here live with gene steinberg
12: it's the tech night owl
1: because you never know what's going to happen next we return to the man who never gets burned, Bob, Dr. Mac Levitas. If he does, he will have the cure. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Out Live. We're talking about writing books about operating systems, focusing slightly, lightly on Mac OS X because, well, you go to Apple's website, you can see what they've done, and that's all the details he can give you, okay? Because if you're looking at pre-release versions, you're under a confidentiality agreement with Apple. It's not something you want to break. Besides, those features may change.
8: Oh, absolutely, and certainly, I couldn't talk about how things work right now because I'm not—I'm not sure some of the things even work. I mean, I haven't tested everything. I have no idea about a lot of this stuff. I'm only on chapter five. For gosh sakes!
1: Right. So you're basically taking it slow. You do 90 percent of your work, or 80 percent of your work after it's out, or you do as much. Well, no. I mean, What'll happen away is
8: I'll do as much as I can, and and because we never really know what the ship date is. If I get through all the chapters and it hasn't shipped, I'll start going back through and seeing what I can do based on newer builds. Okay. And I keep doing that until it ships, and then when it ships, we go into triage mode, very quickly trying to find anything that needs changing and then getting into the printer.
1: Okay. Now, normally for a book like this, how long after the release date does it actually hit the shelves? I mean, do you have a way going to the printer and having it shipped the next week, or is it something that can take a couple of months
8: after the after the ship date? It depends on really. It depends on whether we get a, a final copy before the ship date, because sometimes we do. And if we do, and if we, you know, if we feel like we can check against what we've got and release it to manufacturing, um, we might. Although, uh, yeah, you know, we might be able to finish. And release it to the printer when it ships, you know, around the same time or within a few days. That's the optimal thing. The sooner you get it out, the better The better it is for you as an author. Because people are clamoring for it in the beginning of a new operating system. So you want to be on the shelf. You want to be one of the books that's available. You'd like to be the book, but...
1: Well, you've got a few other authors. I think a lot of people don't write as many books as they used to about this stuff.
8: Well, and I think, I think it's really hard to write them and, and make the timing. You know, I mean, I've got all this going on with iPhone and iPad. And I know a lot of books that used to come out every time there was a new version uh, have slowed their pace and, and thus become dated. Not any of mine, mind you, but, but in general, I see kind of a trend towards uh, some of the stuff just gets updated too often. To make it profitable to print books about. And I'll give you an example. It's a long time ago, but I used to write the little iPhone book for Peach Pit. And after the I think third or fourth edition inside of two years, they threw in the towel. They said, We can't we can't keep doing this every time they change the software, you know, we just can't can't make a go of this.
1: You can't do a book every year. It's two years makes sense, but every year can be complicated.
8: Well, even every year, if, if you look at the iPhone and the iPad, so far they've been pretty much rewritten annually. Um, but in that case, because the, uh, the iPhone and the iPad are so popular and come with so little documentation, those books do really well, and they'll sell for a while after a new version comes out.
1: One thing I see that Apple does not just giving you no documentation, it is The documentation you get is a tiny book. You need a magnifying glass to see it. So I understand the commercials from Apple that were announced by Peter Coyote, the actor, saying about the iPad, you already know how to use it. They're hoping you do because there's no documentation except for third parties. I'm hoping you don't.
8: <laughs> but, you know, it's funny because when when it came time to start writing about this stuff, the iPhone, the iPod, the iPad... I, I, I couldn't help but think, these books aren't going to be very thick. <laughs> I mean, the stuff's pretty intuitive. Most people pick it up pretty quick. But then, you know, if you want to do a For Dummies book properly, you need to show step-by-step step how to do all that stuff. And you'd be surprised how many pages it takes up. iPhone For Dummies is up to uh, over 300, I think, maybe even, I
1: don't know. Well, hold on, I can tell you. We're going to have it's the sound of Bob Levitas age. reaching into his bookshelf. Yes. And as he reaches into his bookshelf and he falls over a chair, nope. now he's calling the doctor and now the EME experts are coming in, and now they're getting closer. That's because, you know, they use location tracking on his iPhone to find him. That's how they do it. Okay, he's looking for that book to see how thick so
8: 318 the... 318 pages for the new edition. The first edition was 212. So... There is more. With each, with each version of the operating system and, and hardware, there are more things to say. Or Ed and I are just becoming windier over time. I'm not sure. It's a sign it's, of age. I think it's features. No, okay. there's new features.
1: Well, that's an interesting point here. If you're doing a book for the novice user, the dummies book, you know, the traditional non-technologically oriented person who wants something that's quick, breezy, a little bit humorous, get through the basics, understand everything. They sit there, it's their textbook, it's their manual. Do you see that fewer people want to go through that these days? Does it make it harder for an author like yourself?
8: It's hard to say because my my, uh, experience has been that uh, book sales have been real steady or even on an uptick for me. But part of that is I've been writing about stuff that's selling in good volume. You know, iPhone and iPad, just by their nature, um, there's lots of people out there with iPhones and iPads. Way more, I think, than people who, you know, have Mac OS X Lion and are new users. Because old users don't buy Mac OS X for dummies books.
1: Okay, this is the new user, and Apple, of course, is attracting more and more new users. They claim that at the Apple Store, 50% of the people who buy new Macs are new to the platform.
8: I believe that, absolutely. And every time I speak anywhere in public, one of my questions is, how many of you are new to the Mac two years or less? And it's always a lot of those people.
1: A lot of people. It's amazing. We're all dying off waiting for these people to happen. By the way, this is good news for you, Bob. Bob. I was reading there are a record number of people alive now, like 70,000 people over 100 years of age. There's hope for us yet. I'm not
8: sure I want to live to be 100. Not? Unless I can be, if I can have my 18-year-old body when I'm 100, that's a deal.
1: But if I have to have
8: a 100-year-old body when I'm 100, I'm not sure that's such a good deal.
1: Well, the thing is, though, that 100-year-old bodies you know, 30, 40 years from now are not going to be like 100-year-old bodies now. They're going to look like somebody now who's maybe 65 or 70 because that's the way science works.
8: I can't wait, except I'll be dead, but it'll be cool. (laughs)
1: Let me ask you an interesting question here. We have the iPad 2 out, and if you're lucky, you can get one. I got one from Apple for a while, and they let me keep it a little bit longer because they said I'd like to get one for my wife she really loves working on it but it's gonna be a while to find one online i said yeah okay keep it for a little bit longer i don't know why they did that they're so nice okay that's because, because they,
8: they know that you couldn't get one tomorrow if you needed it that's right that's true
1: i actually I mean you to could a- if
8: you slept at the apple store and wanted one of the kind that came in this morning
1: well i know i passed a target store superstore last week they had one white one in stock. It would have been the right model, but someone grabbed it before I can get to the cash register. No, I'm kidding. But there was only one. In <laughs> one, and it's locked in this cabinet, you know, sealed with 26 locks so people can't steal it. It's amazing. Yeah, next
8: That's to it. the Xbox
1: games. Which nobody's buying. But they're locked up, too. You know, I'm worried now about, what is it here, the Sony PlayStation, where they got all that account information? I'm
8: glad I have an Xbox.
1: Well, now you know.
8: Hey, did you hear Apple uh, Apple had made a statement about that location data stuff today?
1: Yes, it was in the section just before you. We had Daniel Aaron Dilger of Roughly Drafted Magazine and appleinsider.com. And he explains, for those tuning in late, exactly what that stuff is all about. Oh, awesome. How come I didn't hear that? Well, I'll tell you what you'll hear it this weekend. We all have right. Bob Dr. McLevitis joining us. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Out Live. <laughs>
3: Mother's Day is this Sunday. And ProFlowers is offering an amazing Mother's Day special. A beautiful bouquet of two dozen assorted Mother's Day roses with a free glass vase plus a free box of chocolates. All for just $29.99. Just visit ProFlowers.com. Click on the microphone in the upper right corner and enter the secret code MANY. These two dozen Mother's Day roses are bursting with color. They're the perfect way to show all the moms in your life how much you appreciate them. Two dozen assorted roses guaranteed to stay beautiful for at least seven full days plus a free glass vase and a free box of chocolates all for just $29.99 but hurry this special offer ends friday mother's day is this sunday and it's your last chance to take care of mom the only way to get your last chance mother's day offer is to visit proflowers.com click on the microphone in the upper right corner and enter the secret code many go to proflowers.com secret code many that's proflowers.com code many
17: Ready to save? Then you're ready for the super summer sale at Herbal Healer Academy. Herbal Healer has been the leader in quality natural supplements for 23 years. Log on to HerbalHealer.com and take advantage of Herbal Healer Academy's incredible savings on 500 parts per million colloidal silver, the best pharmaceutical grade available at all sizes on sale. Super Male Plex with you Hindi and Super Fem Plex for summer toning. Buy Glucosamine Chondroitin 60 cap summer sale price at only $12. Colon and answer 250 caps. Summer sale priced at just $18. And if your brain's a little foggy, we have a great supplement on sale called Memory Power. Log on and hit the postcard specials link for more super summer savings at herbalhealer.com. As always, new customers get a free catalog with first order. Herbal Healer Academy, healing the world with nature one person at a time.
14: Fear of falling is the number one reason seniors leave the home they love. And millions of aging Americans can no longer enjoy the pleasure of a simple bath from fear of falling. Don't leave your home. There is a solution. The revolutionary, designed-for-seniors walk-in tub. Rediscover the soothing, luxurious pleasure of a comfortable and therapeutic bath by calling 877-513-3797. The Designed for Seniors walk-in tub has everything. A low step and walk-in door for easy access, built-in heating, easy-to-reach controls with both water and air jet therapy to soothe away aches and pains. All tubs are proudly made in the USA and come with a limited lifetime warranty. Enjoy a relaxing, safe, and comfortable bath again. Call 877-513-3797 and ask for the Designed for Seniors walk-in tub. That's 877-513-3797. The Designed for Seniors walk-in tub for boomers and beyond.
15: Spring and a new growing season are here. Plan a healthy garden easy and fast with OrganicaSeed.com. Easy because OrganicaSeed.com offers one of the largest online selections of organic, heirloom, non-hybrid, and untreated seeds, as well as tobacco and cotton seeds at low prices. Go to OrganicaSeed.com, spelled O-R-G-A-N-I-C-A, seed.com. OrganicaSeed.com. Remember, OrganicaSeed is healthy seed.
7: America's number one source for independent talk radio for over a decade. We are the GCN Radio Network. Welcome back to the Tech Night Out
8: Live, where you never know what's going to happen next. And now, here's Gene Steinberg.
1: We have Bob, Dr. Mac Levitas. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Out Live. Bob's here for another few minutes before he has to leave before they have to fix the windshield on your car it was a rock that damaged our- i believe it was a rock
8: something hit the windshield i drove down to san antonio last week to speak at a user group down in san antonio and on the way back uh, i heard a little click kind of sound and a crack appeared right in front of my eyes
15: I
1: had it's that happen worse. over one year here in Arizona. I had like three or four breakages of windshields or portions of windshields. You but, know. Well,
8: this one this one got worse in just a few days, so I, I'm thinking today's the day it's getting replaced.
1: So they'll be coming very soon, and Bob will have to leave us. That shows you how spontaneous this show is. Let's look at the iPad 2. Right, I'm looking who, at mine. Are you looking at yours? Well, actually, mine is about 10 feet away. What color is your cover? Well, the one I have There's is the light blue. Cover. Bright blue. Light blue. Light blue. I have a light blue. Okay. And a red. Okay. I have a light blue, the black iPad 2. Okay. So now let's look at specifics. Someone who's written these books about the iPad and about iPad 2 and everything. What are the things that people are not apt to know right away, not apt to discover that we should know about these products?
8: One thing is is that You can really type a lot faster if you don't lift your finger off the keys so much. In other words, the keys will, the little overlay pops up to tell you when you're on the right key. If you release your finger, then you have to go hit the backspace key and type the correct key, which is a bunch of tapping. But if you never lift your finger up in the first place, you can slide it onto the right key. And when you learn to do this, um, you'll find you type a whole lot faster. Also learn to use the auto-correct feature um, as often as possible, either click the, tap the X to make it go away and say, no, I don't want that word, or the space bar to let it uh, correct something. The more you use it, the better it gets at knowing what, what words you consider words, and um, it'll help you type even faster and more accurately.
1: Now, if you're restoring your iPhone, for example, you know it's not working right, and one of the troubleshooting techniques is to restore it from scratch, all the remembrances of the autocorrect it has to start all over again
8: I don't know I think if you restore from a backup okay it's a you get it back because I think that when you restore from a backup I don't know that you don't that anything gets goes away because except anything that you've put on the machine since the last time it's synced and backed up so any corrections you've made since your last sync yes they're gonna go away okay. But I think the whole database comes back when you restore from backup.
1: Now, that's one thing about typing. Once you learn this technique to speed up your typing, how fast can you go compared to a regular keyboard? One quarter is fast, what?
8: Yeah, I, uh, that's the other thing I was going to say. I highly recommend using a, a wireless Bluetooth keyboard with your iPad or iPhone if you're going to do very much text entry. Because really, the on-screen keyboard is clever, and it's great in a pinch. And certainly, I like it when I'm somewhere where a keyboard, a real keyboard wouldn't be appropriate. But it isn't that easy to type on, and you certainly can't type fast on it. So I've got, a little, uh, I've got a couple of them, actually. The one I really like now is that I just verbatim just sent me theirs. And what I like is it comes in a little leather pouch, but it folds in half, so it's not really very bulky really good for travel, can drop it in the briefcase. Um, It's it's a foldable keyboard? Yeah, it folds in half. okay. But it's solid. It's rigid. It's not like roll-up. And it's a pretty good chiclet keyboard. It it feels more or less like a MacBook Pro keyboard. It's got those little quiet flat keys. But it takes up about half the space of the Apple Bluetooth keyboard, which is very nice, but not very compact. And kind of an odd shape for packing because of the little roll where the battery is. So I'm liking this verbatim one.
1: But you can't write a book on there, can you?
8: No, I would never. But I could I could very much handle all, a day or two of email um, and, you know, any writing I needed to do for a day or two or a few days. I so would nowadays,
1: no- do you take a full-size MacBook or MacBook Pro with you, or do you take your iPad when you go on the road?
8: Depends how far and how long I'm going to be away. If I have book work to do, I take the laptop. I don't have a choice. I have to run Photoshop and Word, and they don't run on the iPad. So it's a moot it's point if I have real work to do. If I'm going away and don't expect to have real work to do, I'll just take the iPad. I said, uh, I'll take the iPad, but if I have to work on Word documents, it's a, it's a disaster. It's a fiasco.
1: Even with, of course, pages, it's not good enough. It doesn't give you all the extra stuff that Word gives you on the desktop for writing books. Because it's they not give you so special templates, they got the, the track changes, they got all that stuff going on.
8: But the track changes stuff isn't 100% when you go back and forth between pages and Word, and it, it's just, I can't do it.
1: Nobody understands understand. It's a headache. help
8: me if I did.
1: You think Microsoft ought to bring out an app for the iPad a word for the iPad?
8: I think that if they did, they would sell lots of copies, uh, only because there's people like me that have to have the compatibility, and I bet there's lots of them. Microsoft would be very smart to bring out an office suite on the iPad, but quite frankly, I think the thing, you'd have to give it your whole iPhone or iPad. <laughs> it's such a bloated app, you know, with all all of its bells and whistles.
1: They'd have to sit back and say, what bells and whistles can we dispense with and look at the profile of the user? Of course, Microsoft does all those user surveys and focus groups. You'd think what you want to do if you have a writer who's on the road, they need track changes. They may not need complex formatting because sometimes that stuff is just basic text with track changes and the publisher will engage in the text formatting. They might need macros. That gets complicated.
8: So I don't think, yeah, I don't think Microsoft will do it. I think Microsoft will probably uh, be of the opinion that Apple did pages and numbers and keynote, and the ballgame's over.
1: Let them make Which all Which I the think is
8: short-sighted, because I think there are a lot of people who would buy the Microsoft stuff, and I think they'd pay more than the 10 bucks Apple's getting for its uh, iWork apps.
1: Well, you have to think, too, with the iPad, especially with the iPad 2, when it really gets into full bloom in terms of sales when people can get them which is the problem now you know apple probably could sell more copies of the iwork apps separately than they can on the desktop Macs. lots more
8: could be and if they ever get it so that the um the communication between pages and microsoft word so that they they share the track changes stuff and it works flawlessly uh They'll sell lots more copies of pages.
1: We have to see. We also need a file system for the iPad, too, where you can keep track of your files. I know Apple doesn't want you to know about files anymore. Yours
8: doesn't have one?
1: Have what? A file system? Sure, but... Mine does. It's called Dropbox. Ah, yes, that system. It works.
8: I mean, it is a kludge, but I, I, I heard somebody say that it's the file system for your iPad. And I think that might be the case.
1: Okay, so this is a Dropbox not just for your Mac, but for the iPad?
8: Well, Dropbox on all your devices turns out to be like the ultimate uh, hands-free Conduit for stuff that you want to share among devices. It's like if you use Dropbox, not only do you have a file system, but that file system makes sure there's a copy of whatever document you need wherever you happen to be on whichever device you happen to be using. Well, so that's you always the big goal there, isn't it, The big goal, goal is, is that and you and don't and want
1: and to know. don't need to know where the file is physically located. You just want the file.
0: If
8: you put it in a folder that resides inside of your Dropbox folder... That's what will happen. It will be everywhere magically. You do nothing. You just, if you put it in the right place, it proliferates like rabbits.
1: Oh, yes. We have to watch out for those rabbits. What if you're outside of your local network? Does it happen online too? Um, Dropbox.
8: So here's how that works. You have local copies of everything. In the place where it came from. And there is a copy of everything in the cloud. Ah. There's also possibly a copy of things on your device because you can specify uh, that you want to keep copies of specific things on specific machines. You can also not copy specific folders to specific devices.
1: Okay, so basically cloud-based, you're somehow always able to get this document Word documents wherever you are. Bob Levitas, Dr. Mack, where can we find more of the stuff you do? Uh,
8: Houston Chronicle, www.cron.com on Tuesdays and uh, boblevitas.com for tech support, training and troubleshooting.
1: And a special thank you to the people who are going to fix the glass on your car for not coming during this interview. Bob Levitas, thanks for joining us on the Tech Night Out Live.
8: Okay, thanks for having me, Gene. Take care.
2: Hi, Ted Anderson announcing a great way to listen to radio on the telephone. By calling 760-569-7700, you'll be hearing GCNlive.com programs in seconds. Come to GCNlive.com, find your favorite host's dedicated phone number, and hear them 24-7. You heard me right, every show has a dedicated phone number. Stop by GCNlive.com and bookmark their number today. And again, that's 760-569-7700.
8: Welcome back to the Tech Night Owl Live, where you never know what's going to happen next. And now, here's Gene
4: Steinberg.
1: We join Dan Morin of Macworld Magazine. He's kind of a news guy over there. We're talking on the Tech Night Owl Live with Gene Steinberg. And the big story this week, other than the release of the so-called long form of President Obama's birth certificate, is Apple's mysterious or notorious tracking file. Now, we've covered some of this already in an earlier interview with another Dan, Daniel Aaron Dilger of Roughly Drafted Magazine, but maybe you can give our listeners more of an idea of the concept of this little file that's become or became such a big issue.
18: Yeah, well, this, this definitely did sort of spark a firestorm out there. You know, people are very sensitive about location information and, and with good reason. You know, you don't necessarily want everybody on the Internet to know where you are. However, as so often happens, this problem got blown out of proportion after that initial sort of discovery, which, as it turns out in later news, wasn't even that new of a discovery. This is the kind of thing that had been known by these forensic scientists who are the guys who sort of dig into what information is stored on uh, electronic devices. And it was kind of known, but it never really made it into the mainstream circles. So as a result, when it did sort of hit the mainstream, which was first in an a article at the in the Guardian, the UK paper last week, it kind of took everybody by surprise. And so as a result, we, we ended up with this controversy over, well, is Apple maintaining this information? What is this information? Um, and it was kind of, you know, spectacular in the sense that, uh, the the two guys who sort of brought this up in a very public form did so by providing a tool that could actually map the location data on a map, and and that I think made it really accessible to a lot of people who are saying, "Whoa, look at this map! It shows all these places that I've been. It shows you know me traveling near my house or going on this trip." And so that I think helped propel it to this this height of of people just being like, "Wow, all this information's there! It's it's keeping track of me." But And it took some time for sort of the whole story to come out, um, especially because I think Apple took its own time in, you know, evaluating and investigating what exactly was going on here.
1: Now, according to Steve Jobs in this interview that appeared at All Things Digital and also Apple's own question and answer sheet, it took a while for Apple, and Jobs used the term, we're a technologically oriented company, so we had to figure out what was happening and then figure out if something was wrong and if something is wrong fix it now one of the things to consider also here is i think people become paranoid because we watch on tv on a law and order or any of these procedural tv shows where they're trying to find the criminal they're tracking their cell phone you see them tracking the cell phone oh the criminal is in that warehouse let's go to that warehouse there's a criminal end of story so people don't want you to know what they're doing of course if they're not up to criminal activities it doesn't matter but then again, you're only seeing the network access points. You're not seeing where they are.
18: Exactly. And that's kind of the, you know, some people argue that's a semantic detail. Well, you can still infer where they are based on the information. And, and to a certain extent... That is true. I mean you can probably tell if they're if if I'm at home in Boston versus on a on a you know business trip in San Francisco, sure. At that range, absolutely. But then again, as I said in a couple of the editorials I wrote about this, you can probably tell that from my Twitter feed, you know, because I'll mention where I am. I mean it doesn't necessarily let you get down to the level of seeing, you know, what block
1: I'm on or what have you. Well Um, of course your employer can check and say they're giving you ten thousand dollars to travel to Europe but your mobile phone that you supposedly took with you because it's a world phone shows you never left Las Vegas. Mm-hmm. Or maybe someone's spouse is on a business trip and sure. that person is really in a hotel room with someone else. So that's another way of doing detective work. Yeah,
18: yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I mean, I guess, I guess you know, what it comes down to is a lot of people sort of assume, there was a, a friend of mine raised a really interesting point. Like, why are people so concerned? Like, what do they think Apple would want this data for? Like, if they were collecting it, You know, and I think a lot of people sort of jump to this conclusion of, oh, you know, it's bad for them to have this data. And I'm not saying that they should have this data, but I think there is a a question of, well, why would they want it? Do they really care where you're going? Is there some sort of information from that? And people might think, well, maybe for ads and stuff like that. But the ads do sort of do some location-based stuff. Granted, they, they ask your permission first, or at least that's what, you know, Apple says that they've set it up to do. But I think that there's there's an overblown because people don't necessarily think through the consequences of, like, I, I can't think of a big reason for Apple to have this data other than the reason that it supposedly is collecting this sort of the, – the data that's collecting, which is to build up a, a better database of location information to make it easier for you, like, when you – use your iPhone to say, oh, I want directions from where I am to this place, it's a lot faster for it to sort of pull that cache and say, okay, we can sort of identify where they are based on the, the location data in, in the, this cache and what we're comparing with around them in you know a few seconds as opposed to a few minutes.
1: Now, I understand the problem arose because Normally, you're supposed to be able to turn off location services. So you have a master location switch, and every app you run, you can specify whether to allow it to know your location. And then later on, you can go into your settings, your general settings in your iPhone, and then uncheck or unclick the selection, turn it off, if you don't want that particular app to know your location. The problem is, suddenly, even though you turned it off, the tracking file was still active. Right. And that, you know, was something that Steve Jobs says in this interview and that
18: Apple said in this Q&A was a, a legitimate bug. That should have been deleted, basically. That file should be deleted when location services are disabled. And that was one of two bugs they mentioned. The other one was the explanation, the more technical explanation, which I thought was actually made more sense than the one that they just gave in the Q&A, was basically Scott Forstall told all things digital, look, we, we set a, a file size for the cache. We said two megabytes, you know, figuring that's not going to take up a huge amount of space on the phone. But as it turns out, you can store a lot of, you know, when you're just talking about a database with text in it, you can store a lot of text in two megabytes.
1: Let me ask you a question. Have you actually seen a picture of what's in that file? Absolutely. I looked it up myself when this
18: story first broke. I uh, I followed the instructions that were on the, the two guys who did this map program. I looked at both the map file and then I followed the instructions to pull up the actual uh, database file, which is not easy. It requires a little bit. I mean, I just followed some directions, but, you know, you got to sort of know your way around a terminal to figure that out.
1: And you also have to jailbreak your iPhone so it's not locked.
18: If you want to access it directly on your iPhone, yes. However, this is where the other issue came in was that that file was being backed up to your Mac when you sync with iTunes. And as such, it's easier to get at on your Mac than it is on your iPhone, where the security is very strict. So unless you have encrypted your iPhone backups, which you can do via iTunes, there's an option to check it off, um, you can, you have to, you can still access it. It's kind of obfuscated, like it's hard to find where it is because it's got this huge long hexadecimal name and you have to sort of jump through some hoops to find it, but it's not encrypted in any way. So I did look at that database and pulled up the whole list of, of information. It makes very little sense. So yeah, the file is basically the, one of the problems As I was saying is, is that it's backed up in iTunes, uh, as part of your backups and so it's easily accessible there it takes some uh it takes a little bit of hocus pocus to sort of wend your way through the terminal and and open it up Uh, but once you do you find a database and it contains a huge table of information you know latitude longitude a whole bunch of stuff that's really not going to make a lot of sense unless you have some way to turn it into a form that most people can recognize such as a map Um, and so i did look at it briefly but again without being able to process it, it's hard to say exactly what you're seeing. It doesn't Um,
1: say specifically what the network access is, what the access point is. It's just locations.
18: I mean, there's more to it than that. I would have to go back and look at it. I mean, it's a huge table. I assume it's picking up things like Mac addresses on Wi-Fi routers from the Wi-Fi information. There's probably some ID numbers for the cell towers. There's location information. There's timestamps, you know, and and a bunch of other information that they're collecting, I I, I assume, to help in terms of that, like, using those location features because there's various things you can judge based on, I assume, not just, uh, you know, like what cell towers you're connected to, but what the strength of the signals between them are. If it's you know if one's stronger than the other, you can gauge that they're closer to that one than another one. Um, so they basically are collecting, I assume, just a lot of raw data. Now, what's important to remember, and in, in what they said in their Q and A, is that the data that's on your phone isn't necessarily data that is derived from it, like pulling data from your location. Apple takes all this huge anonymized data. Um, from everybody's devices you know it says it collects information and anonymizes it so it's not you can't be traced back to anybody in particular it compiles it into a huge database now what's on your phone is a subset of that database based on the most recent locations that you've been and as such it's a reasonable guess like well you know um, they spend a lot of time in this area. We're going to pull the the data that's relevant to these areas in order to speed up that location
1: process. I'll and tell so you what. We'll get into more of hatch. what this file contains and what Dan Morin determined. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Out live. <laughs>
16: Have you been sitting on a few great domain name ideas but haven't locked them in for yourself? Good. Now you can buy them through the number one domain name registrar, Namecheap.com, as voted by the top tech blog Lifehacker. Just like the name says, you can buy domains cheap, as low as $2.99. And every new domain comes with WhoisGuard, our special privacy service, free for the first year. Now that you know, it's time to grab those domain names before someone else does. Namecheap.com. Go now. Namecheap.com.
1: Ever been to a concert and wish your friends could experience the atmosphere with you? Ever been on a mountaintop and wish you could share the beautiful view with your family? Ever thought, they've got to see this? Share those amazing experiences with the unique photo collages of the iPhone app, You Gotta See This, by Boink Software. Now available for the iPhone 4, iPod Touch, and the brand new iPad 2 for just $1.99. See great examples at boinks.com slash this.
3: Will I have garlic breath after I take Ali C.?
4: We get that question all the time about the world's best garlic extract, Ali-C. And the answer is, Ali-C contains stabilized allicin, nature's antimicrobial agent, and the active ingredient in crushed garlic, but will not give you garlic breath. Scientifically proven in double-blind studies, using low doses of allicin greatly reduces the number, severity, and duration of common colds. Our powerful Ali-C contains 300 milligrams of stabilized allicin. Just one tablet of Ali-C is equivalent to 40 garlic cloves. It's effective against asthma, MRSA, bacterial, fungal, and viral infections, and helps lower high blood pressure and high cholesterol. Plus, it's a natural mosquito repellent. Boosts resistance to infection with nature's best garlic extract, Ali-C. For more information and to order Ali-C, call 877-888-7126 or go to GarlicHealthProducts.com. That's 877-888-7126 or GarlicHealthProducts.com. Fight back with Ali-C.
5: This is your call to action America. It's time to get prepared. Food prices, fuel prices, dollar collapse, earthquakes, tornadoes, nuclear meltdown. Where's your plan? Get one at the Get Prepared Expo in Springfield, Missouri, May 14th and 15th, downtown at the Expo Center. Learn about survival economics, gold, silver, emergency food, water filtration, solar and wind power, heirloom seeds and gardening, how to prepare and defend your home, and hear from John more as he speaks about global warming and what the government isn't telling you. Joyce Riley's seminar about what we will do when there is no medicine. Plus, meet the 2012 candidate for President of the United States. All this and much more at the Get Prepared Expo, May 14th and 15th in Springfield, Missouri, for the low admission price of only $7. Get details now at GetPreparedExpo.com. That's GetPreparedExpo.com. What happens next is up to you. GetPreparedExpo.com. Sponsored by GCN and Midas Resources.
7: Are you tired of searching for great talk radio? Something more important. Search no more. We are the GCN Radio Network. We want to hear from you. If you have a
8: comment or question about the Tech Night Owl Live, send it to news at Technightall.com. That's news at Technightall.com. And don't forget, you can visit the famous Tech Night Owl community forums at forum.technightowl.com Get in on all the action. That's forum.technightall.com.
1: We're back with Dan Morin of Macworld Magazine. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Owl Live. We're exploring what Apple knows about your movements, if anything, with that mysterious tracking file. And even before we consider the fact that it should have been deleted if you turn off your location-aware services, but it wasn't. Okay, so if it's giving the address of some kind of access point. The MAC address is not something you really can find unless you physically know what it is, right?
18: Well, yeah. I mean, and this is the MAC address is something, so every router has its own MAC address, and that sort of acts as an identifier. It's not... A 100 percent accurate way of identifying something because it can be changed. it's not like hardwired into it. There are software tools that let you change what it is. But what companies have been doing, starting with this first company, Skyhook Wireless, several years ago, is basically for a while they drove around in vans, you know, looked at the wireless access points that were on any given street, and mapped that you know, the MAC addresses of those routers to the physical location of the van as it drove along. And That let was me the ask you a question here.
1: They- Google got in trouble. Let's go to Google for a second. Google got in trouble because their vans used for mapping were supposedly skimming data from Wi-Fi networks, but nobody knew about that.
18: Uh, The issue there was more not not so much that they were necessarily picking up, say, there's a Wi-Fi network here with this mag address, but they were actually pulling data off. That was being broadcasted. So, if somebody was using that wireless access point, I believe they were they were you know taking a sample of that information, and that could have contained any number of things. So, people were very up in arms about that, as as they probably should be. But I think I don't know if Skyhook's process involves something like that. Um, Apple used Skyhook for quite some time. Um, beginning in, I think, uh, iPhone 1.1.3, which was announced in, like, 2008. Um, That was when they first released this locate-yourself feature. Apple was building off Skyhook's database. However, in more recent years, they've replaced that with this information that they're pulling from all those iPhones, because basically what they think is, well, we've got X million iPhones out there that are basically equipped with Cell radios, Wi Fi antennas, GPS in a lot of cases, we can compile all, we can essentially use all those things as, as to do what those vans used to have to do and build the same database. It's a lot
1: cheaper because you don't have to oh yeah. invest in the vans, you don't have to invest in personnel. Plus, the key is here if someone had nefarious purpose in mind, is there any conceivable thing they could do? with this data to know too much about you or just this generic, well, you, your iPhone was near this tower or this access point?
18: In theory, I mean, but I think a lot of the cases are pretty far-fetched. And as, and as a lot of others have pointed out, including uh, you know David Pogue, I think, mentioned it in one of his columns and some other people, if, they've, if they're to the point where they can get access to this information, they have access to a lot of your other information at that point. If they have your phone, if they're on your computer... You know, there's there's a lot more damage that they can do than just pulling up your location. Besides so, they already
1: have your credit card information, they already have your address. So how much more information do they need?
18: Yeah, I mean, you know, you got to be talking again about somebody with a particular interest in you as an individual, right? I mean, this is something more the you know, the, the worry cases were more about people who have, you know, Stalkers, or you know, violent, you know, ex-significant others, or stuff like that. And again, at that point, if they're in your house and on your computer, you got a lot more to worry about than them like digging up this obscure file on your computer. So there's a, there's a you know proportionality there that you got to think about.
1: But the problem was, Apple didn't stop making that file. They didn't stop making that file after you turned off the location service.
18: Right. Well, and as we said earlier, that was a legitimate bug and something that they are planning on, con- on fixing in a future release. It'll only cache seven days of data. Um, so there still will be some data. However, they will also stop backing it up to your computer so it won't be accessible on your Mac. And it will only be accessible on your iPhone. Now, um In addition to being on the iPhone, as we discussed, the the iPhone's a lot harder from a security perspective to get access to. Without jailbreaking the phone, there's really no way for somebody to get access to the file. Um, And and they said that in the next major release, so let's presume iOS 5, that the file on the phone itself will be encrypted, meaning that there's virtually no way for any third party to get access to it.
1: So in that way, of course, it'll make it safer. But again, a lot of the fears were theoretical fears that have no reality.
18: Yeah. I mean, again, you got to take sort of this, you got to put it in context. And I think from the context, there were a lot of people sort of, you know, getting excited and panicking about what this meant, when in fact, as it turns out, the information that's there is not necessarily what most people, what what people were assuming that it was. It's close, but it's not necessarily the same. I don't think it it
1: was, there was a lot of reasonable uh, worry about actual threats. Now, just as a corollary here, you know, there's a problem with, what is it, the Sony PlayStation online database where someone actually broke in, the database has been offline, and they got your credit card information, your user ID, and lots of other personal stuff. That's a real danger.
18: Yeah, I mean, and that's the kind of thing you want to worry about is people getting access to this sort of stuff. I haven't seen, I haven't read all the reports on this. this something I saw this afternoon suggested that the credit card information actually was encrypted, which is good, but some of the usernames and passwords were not, which is not so good. I mean, that's the kind of thing you want to be concerned about. And and in a case like this, where if you if you were really thinking about, well, what if somebody broke into Apple's database, that huge database we were talking about, wouldn't they have access to all this information? And the answer is no. I mean, that's that's what they're they're anonymous anonymizing this data as it comes in. It's stripped of any unique identifiers. And so what they would have is a bunch of, you know, location data, but they would be like looking for a needle in a haystack. There's no way to to get back from that. Uh, location data into, you know,
1: resolve that to a specific phone or person. But if they got a hold of your phone, the law enforcement authorities could do something with it. In
18: theory, again, we're talking about data that will in the future be encrypted. Um, Your law enforcement stuff could get information from your phone. However, they can also access that information from the cell phone carriers with a, you know, with a subpoena or a warrant. So, you know, even if you don't have that file on your phone, the cell phone carriers know where you've been. Again, this is nothing
1: new in that department. So why do we blow it up? We take something that's fairly benign from what you tell me and from what common sense demonstrates. So why do we think it's something evil?
18: There's a couple factors at play here. One is just sort of the, you know, not understanding what things are. I mean, there was sort of when the information first came to light, it was clear that this was location information. Absolutely. And that's true. This is an log of locations. It was not perhaps clear at first blush exactly what that data was, though, you know, that it was the locations from this larger uh, database that Apple compiles rather than just a log of your locations. And there was no way to know that because at first, you know, it's superficially it resembles, you know, the information where you've been. Right. So. I think that there is that first blush of not understanding. There's the fact that it's Apple, which always magnifies everything. They're a very prominent uh, company. They're an enormous, well-respected company. There are so many people out there with iPhones, you know, 18 million iPhones out there. All of this combines to making this a huge huge deal, and the Internet only amplifies that. Um, Also, Apple has a lot of competitors, and they
1: love to see Apple look bad.
18: Well, yeah, and, and they're a target in the same way that Microsoft was in the '90s, and Google also is now. Very extremely visible. They're an extremely visible company, and they're one that people have really strong opinions about. Right? On both I'll tell sides. you what. If we
1: don't do this, we will be invisible. We're talking to Dan Morin of MacWorld Magazine, where he's the news guy. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Out live. <laughs>
5: Our big story, food prices rise with gas prices. Economists expect food price hikes of 3 to 4% this year. From lettuce to tomatoes, virtually all fresh produce has doubled in price. In the past year, corn prices up 87%, soybeans up 41%, and wheat has climbed 54%. Demand for seed is extremely high. Stock up today while supplies last.
6: Yes, there is a threat of seed shortages due to climatic weather events. Be prepared. Save money. Eat healthy with SeedsNow.com. For a limited time, SeedsNow.com is offering a survival garden seed vault stocked with over 60,000 high-quality heirloom seeds, over 50 popular varieties. All SeedsNow.com seeds are grown in the USA. 100% heirloom, 100% non-hybrid, 100% non-GMO. Order now at SeedsNow.com or by phone at 818-584-1488. That's 818-584-1488. Remember, SeedsNow.com your number one online source for quality garden seeds. Go
9: solar for cheap. Want to use solar power but the price is too high? Now you can build your own solar panels for less than $200 at 123cheapsolar.com. Don't laugh. We've sold over 45,000 solar do-it-yourself kits. Watch the step-by-step videos that even non-handyman types can use. We offer a 60-day money-back guarantee. Go to 123cheapsolar.com or call 800-713-0486. 800-713-0486. Reduce
2: your foreign oil dependency when you go green with 123cheapsolar.com.
10: Love gardening, but don't love seeing your hard work destroyed by wildlife? Then use the number one most effective deer and rabbit repellent you can buy Plant Skid. Plant Skid repellent protects gardens, trees, and landscaping by emitting an odor that browsing animals associate with predators. So animals avoid plants before they nibble, not after. Plant Skid is made in the U.S. from non toxic, 100% organic, environment, and pet friendly ingredients. Other repellents wash off in the rain. Not Plant Skid, it's guaranteed to outlast all other repellents. PlantSkid was the first animal repellent to be OMRI-listed organic and now comes in liquid spray, powder concentrate, or easy-to-use granular. Just sprinkle around your garden. For proven protection from deer, rabbits, squirrels, and other small rodents, use PlantSkid, member-tested and recommended by the National Home Gardening Club. Find a dealer near you at PlantSkid.com. That's plant, D.com. Ask about our new vole repellent when you call 800-252-6051. That's 800-252-6051. PlantSkid. Proven plant protection. Guaranteed or your money back
7: the gcn radio network providing the world with hard-hitting talk radio g c n great talk radio starts here what's going to happen next
12: you never know when you're listening to the tech night owl live with gene steinberg
1: We return, Dan Morin of Macworld Magazine, covering the news beat and lots of other stuff. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Out Live. We've been focusing on that tracking file. This is the tracking file, ladies and gentlemen, that was on your iPhone or 3G-enabled iPad, explaining what networks you've been near except that it doesn't appear to have anything to do with really invading your privacy, and besides, Apple's going to fix it. So if you turn off your location services, it won't record the information. It will restrict it to seven days. In the next iOS, evidently, it's also going to encrypt the file. So there you go, unless you can break that encrypting, and even then, you know, what information could it possibly lead to? Now, obviously, the other concern we'd have is, okay, Apple's doing this, but Apple is not the only company with a smartphone that has GPS for location services. Google's doing it. What do we know about Google?
18: Well, I don't know as much of the details about what Google's doing, but yeah, it appears that both Google and Microsoft are collecting information. Google is in the same way interested about collecting this as a database. They don't want to have to, in fact, they're in legal, I think, some sort of legal fight with uh, Skyhook um, because they allegedly bullied some of their hardware uh, partners away from using Skyhook's database in favor of their own. Now, that's an ongoing legal issue, so there's no you know, indication whether or not it's true or not, but that's certainly what Skyhook is claiming. Um, and so obviously Google has a vested interest in collecting this information just like Apple does. Um, there's just a question of what their practices are. In terms of holding on to this information, in terms of caching this information, um, there's no argument that they're collecting some sort of information, obviously. Uh, Microsoft, like I said, same thing with Windows Phone 7. There is definitely some indication that that they're collecting location information for their own, uh, their own purposes. Now, is any of this malicious? It's hard to tell without digging into exactly what's in there, but... There is certainly, you know, a reason for people to at least be aware. Now, most of these, you know, most of these smartphone systems ask you to confirm in some way. They ask you to actually, like, consent to giving out your location. I think Steve Jobs made a really good point, um, and likewise in, in Apple's Q&A, they brought up that the this is kind of a new technology over the last few years. It's not something necessarily that your average consumer is well-educated about, and I do applaud Apple for you know, taking at least some of that blame themselves and saying, you know, we haven't done a great job necessarily of spelling out exactly what this means. Um, you know, a lot of it gets couched in all of those, you know, those agreements, those long software license agreements that we all click through and don't really read. Um, and so, as a result, there's some, you know, a lot of a lot of un- somewhat unfounded concern about what this actually means.
1: Now, the other thing, of course, is that Apple is going to testify in Congress. I don't think it'll be Steve Jobs, although who knows? Maybe Scott Forstall, because of the technical knowledge. We'll have to see. But certainly, Google is going to be asked to come in there and to explain what this information is being used for. So, do you think? in the end, it's just going to blow over. We'll have a couple of days of congressional hearings and nobody does anything, which is the case 99% of the time, and suddenly we'll talk about something else.
18: Yeah, I mean, the news, they call it a news cycle for a reason. You know, stuff blows in and out. There is a question. I mean, I think it's going to depend a lot on what this hearing reveals. And if it does turn out that a lot of these fears are overblown and the information that's being collected by most of these people is the kind of stuff we're seeing from Apple, I think... There will be probably some changes to come out of it, just in terms of a PR opportunity. You know, Android, you know, Google and, and Microsoft and Apple certainly don't want to have. They want to have an opportunity to say, "Hey, look, we're we're going to be conscientious citizens about this, and we're going to really pay attention to what's what information is being collected and how it's being stored." Um, and they're going to try to you know spin that as much as they can because that is what corporations do,
1: part and parcel of their purpose. Also, this week, finally, after what ten months or so we get a white iPhone. Now, the thing I have to ask before we go into this is normally Apple has been introducing new iPhones in the late spring or summer. This year, there are reports it's been postponed until September. Of course, Apple has never said we have this schedule. It's just speculation. So would the appearance of a white iPhone this late in the game indicate that Apple doesn't plan on replacing it in two months or three months?
18: Yeah. Uh, I mean, obviously, like I said, or you know, like you said, ten, 10, months, really long time. And this is, uh, I think John Gruber uh, characterized this as a rare misstep for Apple. And it, it really was a strange case. I mean, 10 months after the, the announcement of this iPhone to come out with another one. Yeah, it does certainly suggest that this, this, the iPhone 4 is not going to be you know, made obsolete anytime soon, and we have heard all these rumors about a September ship date. And I say, I think I've, heard, I feel like I've heard enough chatter to say that that seems reasonable. There's a lot of good arguments about why they might choose to do it in September uh, instead of in in the summer. Among other things, you know, they've already said we're going to talk a lot about Lion at the Worldwide Developers Conference in June. Um, you know, there's some people saying, well, what about iOS 5? What about a new iPhone? It seems like both
1: of those might detract from Lion's you know, spotlight. Also, so- the fact is, since we're talking about two operating systems with shared elements, possibly some of the iOS developers are working the finished Lion, so that postpones iOS 5. Secondly, of course, the fact of the matter is that with the iPhone, you don't want to get a new iPhone without a new iOS. Yeah,
18: I mean, there are certainly. (laughs) It's certainly nice to get it packaged in there. Um, I think. I think that they. I'm guessing what we'll see is that you know, Lion ships. You know, Lion gets shown off at WWC is in final shipping form. iOS five gets previewed, um, and then gets released. Uh, alongside a new iPhone sometime in September, maybe at that annual uh, event where they usually refresh the iPods, um, and I think that that makes sense. They still get the phone out in time for the holiday buying season, which is clearly the, you know their big time of year to sell phones. Um, there probably is some disappointment from people who are you know maybe holding out for a phone in June, but. I think you know the iPhone 4 is pretty solid, and the iPhone as a product is is a lot more mature. You know, it, it, I think they're they're trying to maybe lower expectations in in the idea that it's going to get refreshed. You know, every 12 months. In the same and if way, it that they does, they that could also the,
1: just refresh it in a very minor fashion. Well, yeah, just you know, add mean, a new kind of, processor, that kind of thing, almost like a MacBook Pro. You get refreshes every year. In recent years, since you have the unibody design, but it's just, well, a faster chip or maybe a new peripheral port. Yeah, I've seen some reports that they are comparing this. And, and this is kind of
18: what I started to wonder at some point, if this is going to be more like a, I, I'm sure they won't call it a 4GS. But the idea, you know, the same way the 3GS was to the 3G, they're basically the same phone, you know, outwardly. They just have some under-the-hood differences, more of a speed bump than anything else. So I imagine we might see, you know, an improved camera, a better processor, maybe some more memory, Um, but it's very possible that the iPhone that we'll see, you know, the new iPhone that we'll see later this year looks a lot like the iPhone that we see right now.
1: It'll just have the A5 chip and all that kind of thing.
18: Yeah, so there's, there's certainly a lot they can do without having to reinvent it.
1: And in the meantime, Apple has goosed sales by introducing the white one. I saw pictures this week that people are lining up for white iPhones. Ten months after the original, they're still craving that white iPhone.
18: I find it a little shocking myself, but I, I definitely, I think we ran a story on Macworld this morning about uh, the the Beijing Apple store. People, like 600 people in line or something ridiculous like that. And I heard that Japan, very much the same. I mean, a lot of it, I think, is just sort of novelty. There's, hey, you know, this. not only has it been touted for so long and unavailable, um, but there's just a. There are probably some people who just on an aesthetic basis, like, oh man, white iPhone, cool. I didn't want a black one or whatever. I don't, I, I find a hard time believing it's it's a
1: huge percentage, but it, it might be enough to to sort of give them a little bit of an uptick. I saw a report this week showing that the white iPhone is just a hair thicker than the black one. Is that going to make all the cases incompatible?
18: I just saw that right now. Let someone posted it in our in our MacWorld newsroom. I don't know if that's true. I haven't... I, I, I will say I actually handled the white iPhone way back in June last year when they announced the iPhone 4. I did not compare them at that point. Also, we know that they've had to go through a lot of manufacturing changes. Um, I have no idea. I have not I've not seen the current shipping version, and this is the first I've heard of it. I imagine if it is just a hair thicker, that probably won't make a difference for a lot of the cases, but who knows? I mean, they had to change all the cases for the... Uh, the verizon version and so i think they're going to be less than thrilled if they have to have different cases for white verizon white at&t white you know four different types of cases that seems ridiculous the mind boggles we have the
1: mind boggling dan Moran from macworld magazine on your newsstand or at macworld.com i'm gene steinberg you're in the tech night out live Hey neighbors, Nuance offers Dragon speech recognition for a variety of platforms. Dragon Dictate for Mac, Dragon Naturally Speaking 11 for Windows, and Dragon mobile apps for Blackberry, iPhone, and iPad. No matter how you compute, Dragon instantly converts what you say into text, helping you be more productive just by talking. Find out more at GetDragon.com. That's GetDragon.com. GetDragon.com.
16: The
11: If you're concerned about radiation poisoning from Japan in the air, water, or food and can't find potassium iodide, go to RestoreYourHealthNow.com and choose Liquid Zeolite. Liquid Zeolite is hands down the best product to remove radiation from your body and safely removes toxins, heavy metals, boosts energy levels, and promotes a strong immune system. For fatigue, muscle weakness, headaches, memory loss, influenza, joint pain, or toxic radiation poisoning, use Liquid Zeolite from RestoreYourHealthNow.com. Liquid Zeolite is so powerful it was used to clean up contamination in Chernobyl, yet so gentle you won't even know you're taking it. Liquid Zeolite comes with a money-back guarantee but is only available at Restore Your Health Healthnow.com. Learn how to get free bottles of liquid zeolite at RestoreYourHealthNow.com That's RestoreYourHealthNow.com Or call 800-880-9976 Call 800-880-9976 today And learn how to get free bottles of liquid zeolite
14: Fear of falling is the number one reason seniors leave the home they love. And millions of aging Americans can no longer enjoy the pleasure of a simple bath from fear of falling. Don't leave your home. There is a solution. The revolutionary, designed for seniors walk-in tub. Rediscover the soothing, luxurious pleasure of a comfortable and therapeutic bath by calling 877-513-3797. The Designed for Seniors walk-in tub has everything. A low step and walk-in door for easy access, built-in heating, easy-to-reach controls with both water and air jet therapy to soothe away aches and pains. All tubs are proudly made in the USA and come with a limited lifetime warranty. Enjoy a relaxing, safe, and comfortable bath again. Call 877-513-3797 and ask for the Designed for Seniors walk-in tub. That's 877-513-3797. The Designed for Seniors walk-in tub for boomers and beyond.
17: Ready to save? Then you're ready for the super summer sale at Herbal Healer Academy. Herbal Healer has been the leader in quality natural supplements for 23 years. Log on to HerbalHealer.com and take advantage of Herbal Healer Academy's incredible savings on 500 parts per million colloidal silver. The best pharmaceutical grade available at all sizes on sale. Super Male Plex with U-Himbe and Super Femplex Plex for summer toning. Buy Glucosamine Chondroitin 60 caps, summer sale priced at only $12. Colon Enhancer 250 caps, summer sale priced at just $18. And if your brain's a little foggy, we have a great supplement on sale called Memory Power. Log on and hit the postcard specials link for more Super Summer Savings at HerbalHealer.com. As always, new customers get a free catalog with first order. Herbal Healer Academy, healing the world with nature one person at a time.
7: America's number one source for independent talk radio for over a decade. We are the GCN Radio Network. What are you listening to? The Tech Night Owl Live with Gene
12: Steinberg. What's going to happen next? You never know.
1: One more segment with Dan Morin of Macworld Magazine. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Owl Live. So far, we've been exploring, well, first of all, that mysterious alien tracking file that ET wants to use to find out where you are. No, make that Apple. And then the white iPhone. So what took them so long? Basically, what we know, and, and pretty much that's derived from uh, an interview at All Things
18: Digital with uh, Phil Schiller and Steve Jobs, was that it was a lot more challenging to manufacture it. There were different tolerances involved with things like how these sensors, things like the ambient light sensors, behaved with the different color case. Um, I think they said they needed to put a little more UV protection on it, so probably so it didn't get so much uh, bleaching from the sun. Um, and that's why it's thicker. That's certainly possible. I mean, in the past, we've seen reports that the white versions of the uh, 3GS and the 3G cracked more easily than the black ones. Hard to tell if that's, uh, you know, because of the plastic or just because it's more visible with a white, you know, a, a white case than a black case. I think they just it's a it's a weird it's a weird thing for them to screw up, and I think they're probably you know, reasonably kind of like eh, a little embarrassed about it. Um, but at the same time, they came through eventually, and they did manage to meet their their most recent projections of having it available in the spring. Six months from now, we're all going to be laughing about this, but I, I don't think there's any reason to to be terribly uh, suspicious of it.
1: And then we'll be using our iPhone 5s with iOS 5 and Mac OS ten Lion, as a matter of fact. Yeah, well, the future. It's a wonderful place. Yes, there is. So there's a rumor this week that supplies are being reduced of the iMac, harder to get. Maybe a refresh next week. We don't know, do we?
18: No, there's no way of knowing. I mean, I think you know. We all know that these things go in cycles, and it seems like there, you know, having been revisions recently to the, the the MacBook lines with some of these newer processors. Um, it seems only likely that the the IMAX will benefit as well. Um, you know, Thunderbolt ports, that kind of stuff. It, it, I, I I don't expect anything major if they do roll one out. I, I imagine we're just in the in line for a speed bump with some some better processors and the addition of Thunderbolt ports, maybe a couple other bells and whistles. But uh, I mean, we're in the spring still. The the iMac I think was refreshed maybe about a year ago or so. I think that, you know, this. it makes sense as far as timing goes, so I wouldn't be surprised to see something come down the pike. But, yeah, you never know. They put their cards pretty close to their vest.
1: The chips are there. The new Intel Sandy Bridge chips they are considerably faster. Now about Thunderbolt. Is that a port whose time hasn't quite come yet because peripherals are not really out there yet? They're just starting to come? It's a very new,
18: young technology, and I think we haven't seen it come into its own yet. I think it embodies a lot of what, you know, Apple and Steve Jobs would love to see, which is to say you don't have to worry about what port you're connecting things to. You just got
1: one port, plug something in, you know, it works. Um, now, the interesting thing about this, this is equivalent in speed to what's called PCI Express. Express. PCI Express. We have PCI Express inside a Mac Pro. So basically you're taking mm-hmm. the port capability of the Mac Pro, you're transferring it to this tiny little external port so you can stick all sorts of extra drives and stuff like that on a regular MacBook Pro. You don't have to have this big box. Is that the end of the big box?
18: Uh, I don't know. I think there's always a reason for the big box, and some of that is expandability, and some of that is just it allows for more power because you don't have to worry about things like heat constraints, power, and all of that. Um, I think it's an increasingly a, a niche product um, because is surprising. I mean, like you talk to people and you find that like even people who have pretty uh, you know heavy uses for their computers are still doing uh, are are buying iMacs or Macbook pros um because I think we we haven't like there was a there was that period where it was just like Increases were rampant in processor speed and RAM and all of that. Um, and you really did need like a tower to keep up with it, unless you were going to buy a new machine like every year or
1: two. You've moved those super fast chips more to the desktop. And I asked this question with regard to servers. I said, You have the Intel Xeon, which is a very expensive processor. Mm -hmm. And then you have processors like the Intel i7 with quad-core and everything. Of course, you can only install one, not dual processors, which you can do with a Xeon, I think, right? You can only do one processor. Now, the key being, though, for most people, you don't need that extra four processor cores or six or like that. It's only that really, really small subset of people. They're making movie special effects. They're doing stuff that requires the 99 and 44 hundredths percent maximum possible speed. But other than that tiny, tiny percent, we can stick with one very fast processor with multiple cores.
18: Absolutely, and that was, I think, the biggest revolution, even though we didn't necessarily realize it at the time, was the move from just ramping processors to getting, you know, in terms of, you know, megahertz and gigahertz as fast as possible and thinking more laterally about, look, what can we do with multiple cores in a single processor or multiple processors with multiple cores? I mean, I think that that move is going to prove to be one of the most significant in, I think, the, the sort of the whole computer engineering uh, arena because it's really opened up a lot of power and it's brought a lot of power to systems that we used to be sort of derided as, as low power, uh, cheaper cost systems.
1: You also sell more of those to people who can't afford those yeah. really humongous Mac Pros. I mean, it's a pretty expensive deal. You get the most powerful processor with basic memory. It's only five grand.
18: Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, it was always sort of pitched as a professional. I mean, there's a reason it's called the Mac Pro. Um, and but like, as someone who was a tower user for many years, because they felt like, hey, I I really need like I really need that high end stuff, and I was doing some video editing and things like
1: that. And So we'll have to see in the future. I'm predicting that maybe we'll see the end of the traditional tower computer in the next few years.
18: Yeah, I, I think that's definitely true. I think that it's become a, you know, especially with... I think the iMac and, and MacBook Pros are definitely taking the role the tower used to have, and the iPad is taking the role that the MacBooks, you know, it's sort of at the low end there. Everything's sort of moving up a notch. Um, the iPads really become very popular for, like, just casual computing, uh, and the the Pro, MacBook Pros and iMacs have become more and more capable for professional-level stuff.
1: And it would be interesting to see if they devise the desktop version of those Intel processors that can store Two processor chips with multiple cores, not just one.
18: Yeah, I think that's that's going to be a big deal, and it's going to make a huge difference in, in performance uh, across the across the board.
1: Now, Lion coming sometime this summer, indefinite time. Do you think that Apple is going to charge full price for that, or are they going to go the way they're going with their professional apps now, bringing the price down instead of one hundred twenty nine dollars? If you can have Final Cut ten. For two ninety nine, of course, we don't know about the other apps yet that go part of the suite. Maybe they'll sell this for forty nine dollars or something.
18: It's an interesting question. I don't know. Um, I feel like maybe the one hundred twenty nine dollars price point has seen its day, especially as you say with all their pro apps and even their consumer apps. I mean, the iLife suite you can buy in the store for like twenty bucks a pop. Um, I think. That we're, you know, we're seeing a very different shift financially in the, in the software market, especially with, you know, increased, uh, they're, they're pulling software from their shelf stores, you know, things are moving increasingly online. Um, it will be very interesting. Will it all just be, you know, will we just all upgrade through the Mac App Store when we're ready? um like they've been doing for the developer preview stuff very possible and if so they probably aren't going to charge 130 bucks for it i mean uh, you know a 50 or 100 bucks i think seems much more reasonable so
1: i, I also presume really they will have way. a boxed set because people are not going to download 5 or 6 gigabytes of files
18: yeah, it's quite possible. I mean, I assume they'll have something, but I think we're moving away from it. I mean, you know, Lion may be one of the, <laughs> we'll probably still have it on DVD for now, but I, I bet it'll be available as an option on the Mac App Store for those who, who do want to get it that way. Um, it'll be interesting to see how the install purposes, you know, <laughs> installing works there, but um, it'll be a very interesting uh, exp- experiment, and I think it's another step in the evolution of, of where this sort of whole software arena is going.
1: We have to see how it plays out. Where do we find more of the stuff that Dan Morin and his crew do? Well, you can find everything that we write about on Macworld.com and one easy-to-remember URL. And by the way, folks, you can find what we do over at TechNightOwl.com. That's TechNightOwl.com. That's the blog I've had up since 1999. Still going strong. We still have a weekly newsletter, all that good stuff. By the way, we're on Twitter. Tech Night Owl at Twitter. Once again, that's Tech Night Owl at Twitter. You want to write us? It's news at technightowl.com. That's news at technightowl.com. And one more thing: we have another radio show called The Paracast about UFOs and things that go bump in the night, and we're talking about ghosts and such in the next few weeks. You can check that out at paracast.com. That is paracast.com. A special thank you to Dan Moran of MacWorld. Thanks for coming along on the Tech Night Owl Live. Thanks, Gene.
14: The Tech Night Owl Live is a copyrighted presentation of Making the Impossible Incorporated. We'll be back next week. Same bad time, same bat channel.